It's Off Exit 10, presented by Capital District Sport and Fitness. That was a wild game, though. That was a 0-0 going into mm-hmm. the end, or a 1-1? It was nothing, nothing through 10 and a half innings. I was going to say it was the 11th, 10th or 11th inning. The 11th inning, yeah. First uh, first pitch with the reliever, Tommy White. Just crazy. Just made, just yeah. mayhem. I Just a fan for that game. Yeah. yeah. I just sat back. What are you going to do other than just watch and enjoy from the dugout? At that point, you know? too, like your guys are doing everything they're supposed to do for the most part, all, pitching and defensive-wise. Obviously, we didn't get any hits or any or timely hits but yeah uh it's, a, it's just a great game to watch like i watched probably more college world series this year than i have i couldn't even tell you the last time probably since i was like maybe in like high school yeah and uh yeah it was exciting to watch man it was a different atmosphere college baseball is really good right now yeah it's really good and be, i think they're willing to go to places that maybe many professional teams are not willing to go to yet mm-hmm. what do you mean by that I think it's a little more trial and error. I think it's a little more free thinking. I think it's they're they're less worried to make mistakes on guys because there's not as big of a financial investment for right. each dude. So they just uh, they try things. And the, you know the other thing is is that in college you have to win every game. You got to go win every game. Yeah. In pro ball, it's 162, 162. games. Like you're going to lose games. I talk about it every day in here. I'm like I'm not worried about the Yankees. It's 100. I mean I am worried, but it's 162 <laughs> games. I got time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, everybody, we have Mike McFerrin on tonight. I appreciate you coming on. He's, uh, yeah, I know we you know, let's rip another cheers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sir. Cheers. Thanks for having me, boys. Cheers, appreciate bye. it, man. Appreciate you. Yeah, man. So Mike is the, uh, the director of player development and head of the pitching lab or pitching lab coordinator for Wake Forest Baseball. Um, yeah, and Wake, this was your first year to the World Series since when? Uh, 1955 was the last time. <sighs> Jesus. Went, yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Incredible. And when did the pitching lab first open up at Wake? Because you see those facilities <laughs> online and they're incredible. See what's funny is I've heard 2018 and I've heard 2019. And I actually don't know which one it is. Uh, the latest thing I read was, tw- was 2019, so we'll run with that. Okay. Um, and then so a few years now. When did you first get there? It's my second full year that I just completed. So two full seasons now. It's an impressive second season. Yeah. <laughs> not too shabby. No. I guess you didn't have a sophomore slump, we'll say. Uh, that did not happen. I guess not. That's a, <laughs> that's a good point. I didn't think about it that way. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It you, was, uh, you avoided that. Yes. Yeah. Unintentionally, yes. So you get in there, and do they have systems running that they're saying, okay, Mike, let's step in and let's implement these? Or since it's so new, are you kind of part of the ground floor developing what these systems are going to be yeah i think it's both it walked into amazing resources obviously it's shiny like it's tough to get past the nuance you walk in and mm-hmm. you're like man this place is sweet yeah you know immediately um uh but then you get past that and the, the people are awesome the people are at least some of the best in the world at what they do so i'm just adding you know my skill set and learning from them uh to what uh to what we're trying to do but it was a lot of like we have an ocean's worth of information that we're not quite sure what to do with. And there was a lot of that. Um, and it was, it was figuring out 
you know, how do I bring my philosophy and, and measure it, start to measure it. And, mm -hmm. um, in coordination with, of course, our, our pitching coach and the rest of our staff. So quite the adventure figuring that out. Yeah, we'll get into this more, but I feel like that's where sports are now with there's so much analytics and there's so much data, which you can do a lot with, but you also can get overwhelmed with or caught up mm -hmm. with, especially at the younger levels. I feel like guys get caught up with these metrics and data and they kind of miss the well, bigger rocks of. And it's just like even think of it as simple as like going to school. When you're in school, a grade school, right? If you're given too much information at once, you, you can't, you don't know what to do with it. Right. And then you're just literally in place or going backwards. So it's similar to that in a sense. I feel like, but you're you're the expert, man. What do you what do you think? <laughs> I think it's worded perfectly. Yeah. Like, uh, it's a language. Data is a language that they should be learning to use. Like I think the future of coaching is how well you can interpret the information and then give it to somebody and apply it to somebody, put it on the field. So it starts young. Like I, and I think it's performance too. Like you see a lot of the, especially our guys, but you see so many of the guys in the big leagues who are successful, they know information. Like they're, they're using it to understand their game. Uh, and it's a huge competitive advantage if you can, if you can learn that language. So, okay. If you have a 13 year or 14 year old, what are the pieces of data you want them to start to get familiar with and learn about and manipulate? Great question. Basics for sure. Um, how the ball moves through the air is probably the most important thing you can learn as a pitcher. How does my shit play? Um, so horizontal and vertical break to start mm -hmm. and then the angles that you pitch at, um, Explain those two those terms just to people if they're not like big baseball people listening. Horizontal break and vertical break. That's going to happen a lot, so keep doing that. Yeah, I'll, I'll, ca I'll catch you. <laughs> Please do. I appreciate. They'll be better that. at that than I am. <laughs> so horizontal break is how much the ball moves laterally, right? So you throw it in a specific direction, right? But it doesn't start moving because of its spin until somewhere along the course of its traveling to the plate. Mm -hmm. So from ground zero to where it ends up laterally is horizontal break, um, based on. Uh, on how the uh, the ball spin was causing it to move. And uh, vertical break, which is actually induced vertical break, um, which is usually shortened up, is how much the ball defies gravity on the way to the plate, right? So if you were, if you were, if you threw a baseball and it wasn't spinning, gravity would just take it, right? It would have no effect on it. So mm -hmm. the more a baseball's back spinning, the more it creates a, uh, a cushion of air underneath the baseball to ride towards the plate and how well it rides that air cushion is in the difference between that and where it would usually end up if gravity were the main factor in it is that's that's the measure of induced vertical break. So. Okay. So we have a player's horizontal break and vertical break on different pitches. What else are you, you want to teach a younger kid about? I don't know if there's anything specific, but I would teach the philosophy. And here's what I mean by this. So, you ever watch a movie and you get like 15 minutes in the movie and you're like, there's no way I'm going to understand any of this. I can't hear what they're saying and I'm missing so many important pieces and mm -hmm. I don't know where we are in the plot right? mm -hmm. 100%. all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. And you switch on the, the subtitles. I do it all the time. Mm -hmm. yep. And then you start getting and understanding the movie. Right. And then you go to watch the movie a second time and it's like, you don't even need the subtitles because you understand what's happening. Mm -hmm. That's pitch data for me. Okay. That's it's giving you context uh, to help you understand what's happening because it's just measuring what's happening, right? And so you can take that data and go, okay, well, so this is this is how my uh, my body is moving or the ball is moving through the air and being measured. So if I can understand how that's happening and apply that to what I'm seeing, I have better context for what's truly going on. Right, so you're quantifying that. 
What about, because us in the strength conditioning field, it's a lot about, okay, let's just move back to how your body moves. Like, do you have the appropriate mobility and stability? And then how can we train that? Are you quantifying those variables when you're working with guys? Yes, biomechanically, for sure. Absolutely. It's how they move produces how they throw the ball, right? How the ball flies through the air. So yeah, we work, we work backwards. I think that's one of the interesting things that we do is we don't work from movement forwards. We work from ball flight backwards. Because it, it this is my favorite way to put this is a, a, a hitter is not facing a pitcher. He's facing his ball flight. He's facing a pitch. He's not facing a pitcher. Right. And how the pitcher throws the ball produces that ball flight. But, you know, it's um, it matters very much how the ball crosses the plate and what it does on its way there. We work backwards from that. Yeah, that's cool here. Because in here it's so much just like we're just movement focused and, and thinking mm-hmm. about that. But then as, yeah, on the pitching side, you're working back from ball flight into, okay, where's their body at or where's their body need to be? to to get these numbers how do we produce it right yeah right how'd you first get into all this <laughs> i think i stumbled my way into it <laughs> uh it's all good things do right mm-hmm. i heard a great quote once it's uh it's i don't know who's from it's you start on the path and the path appears yeah you know you just start walking i just like i i love to do what i love to do yeah and it's like it's like just... i went to college for exercise science because i like to lift weights in high school like, I had no fucking idea what I was going to do for work. You just love to do it. Yeah. Yeah, so I was yeah. like, sure, like, I'll do this. Why not? I like to work out. Yeah, and then your career showed itself to you, you know? Yeah, yeah, you're just kind of following whatever, yeah, whatever you feel you feel like, your path you think you should take. And, yeah. Yeah, I was the great. I was the kid who, like, I could play chess in high school. Like, I was a good, I was a good pitcher, but I wasn't a good thrower. Like, I wasn't developed by any means. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I, mm-hmm. physically, I, I needed so much work, um, but I knew that I, I could... I could become really good if I were to figure a lot of that stuff out. And everywhere I looked, I got like no answers or wrong answers for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really drove me as a kid to start figuring out. Like I was like, all right, I'll do it myself. I'll just do my best to start figuring it out. And of course, that didn't go very well. <laughs> um, but that's where the passion became like, all right, well, I, I remember being that kid who um, – who felt he was capable of, of being great if he had the right answers and the right help. And I didn't find it. So I was like, I don't want another kid to do go through that. Who's capable right. of doing that. And so that's kind of how that, that all started. Yeah. I feel like you see that in the strength and conditioning field too. Like we're a lot of subpar athletes who worked really hard mm-hmm. to get to where you're at, but none of us ever had like the best skill set. And yeah, you're just always trying to find how can I get myself to where these other guys are at? Yeah. How can I be better in the weight room? How can I train better or recover better to like get get to this point? It's the perfect combination because you gain knowledge because of that out of a desire to become better, but then you fuel yourself with the the impact you make on people, you know, and you see the absence of the kid that you were and someone that you help. And that's the that I think that's where the best coaches come from. Yeah, okay. So you're trying to become the best player yourself. You played, where'd you play in college? So I, I hopped everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't handle it well, you know, to be honest with you. It was a much younger version of myself. But uh, so I started at SUNY Oneonta, and I went because I uh, had built a, a late relationship with a, the coach that was originally there who left. Um, and then uh, so they switched the coaching staff over, and I didn't feel like it was a good fit. So I, I moved to SUNY Brockport and found kind of more of the same. Um, and so I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to throw away one more year. So I figured, Hey, let's, uh, 
let's see what else is out there. And found my found myself at Lynn University in Boca Raton, Florida, Division two school. So, how would you have handled it differently? You said you weren't. I wouldn't. I it, it's not how I look back at things. I don't think I would have handled it any differently. You know, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't handle it well. <laughs> so, it, it was it was more just. You know, I I I followed uh, a desire for better information, mm. and so I wouldn't have changed that because it it led me to find out so much of what began my career. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't have changed anything. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. When did you start working with kids and with pitchers as a pitching coach? So my first first coaching job was uh, Hainer's Barnstormers, eighteen U, mm-hmm. studs, absolute studs, <laughs> just an awesome team, and. Uh, yeah, I remember. I remember actually that feeling. Whereas I, I remember realizing that I could communicate the ideas I was trying to teach myself to other people, and I went, "Oh yeah, this is it. This is definitely it." So that, that light bulb was, went off in your head. It and, sure did. It showed itself immediately. Yeah. Yeah, I I had that same thing happen with like weight training. All of a sudden, I was like helping people, and I'm like, "Wait a minute, <laughs> hold on. There's definitely a career in this." Yeah, it's powerful. And then I was like, "I could do this and make money and enjoy it." I'm going to do that. Yep. <laughs> yep. If anyone's looking for like their career path, that follow what he just said. Yeah. Just, That's it. That's the answer. Yeah. Do I love this? And can I not feel like I'm working while I'm working? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It. That's, that's a well, big thing. That we goes back to here. what did I say on the one podcast at the end? And you were like, oh, fucking mic drop. <laughs> yeah. I think we clipped and it. I, and I was, I said, I was like, my dad used to always tell me like, do what you love. Cause you'll, you won't feel like you work a day in your life. And I was, I've amended that. And I said, do what you love because you'll work twice as hard, but it won't feel like it. Never does. Like I definitely work way harder doing this than I would if I was like in retail, you know. But I work and I work way more, but I don't feel like it. Yeah. So, you know, definitely good advice on on that side of things too when it comes to like figuring out what you really want to do. Yeah, I think people get caught up, or you know, kids are caught up in okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what my parents want me to do. Go to college for this, study finance, study this. And you're like, I don't fucking like accounting. <laughs> like, I'm miserable right now. <laughs> no one likes accounting. Man, it's like, good luck enjoying life if, like, those are going to be your. Because, listen, you want to be successful, like, you're putting in long weeks. You're putting in 68 hour weeks. So mm-hmm. it's like, good luck trying to be happy if if you're not happy with what you're doing. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So from Hainers, because what year was that? Ooh, that was 2016. It's like, in the grand scheme of things, you kind of climb pretty quick. So go yeah, from it's working hard with like an, like an upstate New York travel ball team yeah. to being in the College World Series, working with the – helping develop the best pitching staff in the country. Uh, yeah, so how do you how do you go from there to there so so quickly? <laughs> I mean, it's not many years. No, it feels like longer than seven years. I mean, you do it like what we just talked about. You yeah. do it with just uh, – an, an unwavering passion for figuring out how to make guys better, I think. You know, and he, and you uh, you do it through energy. You do it from finding the right people. I, I am a huge believer in in just the you uh, you become who you feel you're meant to be, and, and things just start aligning for you. That's that's how I've done it. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about this year. At the beginning of the year, do you feel or you you have an idea like, hey, we're good. Like we're gonna we're gonna make a run here. Yeah, absolutely. More than a run, I think we knew we knew we had something seriously special. It was real. It was mm-hmm. palpable. There was, you know, it was never a second of doubt for our whole group ever. Never felt doubt once. Yeah, because your pitching staff, 
Okay, I know we texted about these numbers, but what, a two point, tell me if I'm off, like a 2.83 ERA, the best K to walk ratio. What are other stats that work? You had some crazy stats this year, just as a staff, as a uh, whole. So I don't follow the stats a ton. I just, I know that some of them were, were wild. Like we, we knew we were going to do something special, but some of those numbers were like, wow, that was like really, really crazy. Really crazy. The, I think the one that, I'll speak to this because I, I, numbers are the ultimate result, but I think sometimes they show a philosophy in something that's working. The the ERA one is is one that uh, stands out because it's so such a big gap between us and the and the team that was next. I think it was like point eight run of a run. That's right. ridiculous. ERA between yeah. us and number two, and I think that shows the philosophy. It, uh, we found a hole, you know, and, and and we we've been plugging it against hitters. So that that says something. What do you mean by you found a hole? <laughs> You want all the answers, do you? Yeah. <laughs> Listen, we're trying to make it to the top two, you know. Um, I think we, I think we have uh, polished our way of thinking as a whole, as a staff, and we have so many, so many smart people working at the same thing in their own respect. Um, against hitters, for our pitchers, um, and of course, defense and you know, offense and everything else plugs into it, of course. Um, strike stealing i just our our process for um for using information uh is really good and i I just there's so many there's so many different ways and so many people working on that that i'm lucky enough to learn from every day but all those things combined to because how much okay so it's you in there what other staff are you working with on the day-to-day uh so oh boy how much time we have (laughs) we get a lot uh so our pitching coach is Corey mascara who uh he most recently from Maryland uh, and came to Wake Forest from Maryland. Um, and I think he's the best pitching coach in the country. Um, he combines uh, the, the art of coaching with the science of, and technology, and he, he allows people to do their job to help our team, uh, which is great. Uh, we have Chris Lewis, who is our director of analytics, who is now going to work for the Blue Jays. Um, and he runs a 20-man data analytics team that we have awesome like what kind of college talk about resources like we have a 20-man data analytics in in college crazy it's wild yeah wild so uh he plays an enormous role in everything that we do houses our data you know and gets it gets us to it makes it accessible for us gets us to understand it in different ways um yeah uh, who else on the pitching side of the seat so in the on the lab side of things and the development side of things um so I got to give this guy so much props because he he helps us so much, I think. But Jeff Strom is our athletic trainer, and he's one of those unsung heroes. And I think he's been at Wake for something like 25 years. When does that happen? Yeah. It shows, like, that yeah. shows a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. And that guy, like, uh, and his whole staff of people, I mean, he has a staff of people too, but, um, you know, they keep our guys healthy, and they're really good at it, and he makes timely decisions. And um, so he's awesome. Our strength coach is Mark Seaver. Um and how can you how can you train force development without training force development, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. So uh, and so he helps a ton. And our, our biomechanist is Kristen Nicholson, and she's uh, she runs things on the uh, the health side of things with the hospital. Interesting little thing about our, our pitching lab is it's uh, it's half owned by uh, Wake Forest Baptist and half owned by the athletic department. So there's a lot of uh, positive benefits that come from having a, a a foot in the health world and a foot in the in the baseball world. So that was what, just the care the guys get and the funding to be able to do what what you want to do. Yeah, well, that's the funding is from our head coach, it's, or, is Tom Walter. He's an incredible, uh, incredible businessman, an incredible manager. And he's, uh, he's, it, it, Wake is a, 
it's a mecca for college baseball development right. you know for players and it's all we owe that to him for sure what's so cool is all that happening behind the scenes has to then get filtered down to just having a conversation with a player yep. and, t and teaching them like they probably don't give a shit about all that stuff that's going on they just want to throw it harder have their pitches move better not get hurt get more guys out <laughs> get more guys out that's it that's it they do they care they actually do like we it, part of working awake is you get really smart dudes right they're really smart man like you're like you're talking you're they're they're little geniuses and they're not little but you know you know what i mean like they're they're uh they take this info and this is this is one of my core philosophies is we don't give these guys enough credit for how capable they are of understanding this shit mm -hmm. and using it and they're really good at that uh so we we educate them on everything we don't hold anything back ever I feel like that's just in general, whether it's a college kid or a youth kid, like you don't realize how much they actually do know unless you ask them like, oh, why did this happen? Yeah. And then they start filtering in their head, oh, maybe it was because of this. And then do you, you feel, start yes. helping them Do you feel like it. now with the internet, guys have better filters, have more questions, know more? Because there's just more information out there for them to read about... I should be doing this, whether it's mechanically or in the weight room or movement-wise or how they throw a pitch. Well, I think there's, I think that comes with misinformation too. Though. Yeah, it does mm -hmm. too. You're correct. That's a problem. Because I, there's a lot. I... Yeah, because how much? Okay, I mean, your guys are like top level, but yeah, I mean, we'll get kids in the gym, be like, hey, I saw this on Instagram, and you're like, well, yeah, this is like a, this is silly, you know? Well, if and, it's right, it's awesome. Right. But. I think it. you have to start with their level of education. Like that's why mm -hmm. you can't just throw information at them. You have to teach them what it means first, why we use it. Yep. There's got to be a foundation in place. Um, so when you have that, what I've found is they, they come to you in flocks of incredible information. Like our guys have thought of things that I would never think of ever, you know, and the guys that, that we're developing, they're like, hey, what if I do this? I'm like, that's genius. Yeah, let's go do it. That's awesome. But isn't that the whole point? Yeah, it should be a collaborative mm -hmm. effort. It's more than that. They're pitching. Like the point is that you want to teach them to be able to correct it themselves. I want to teach them to fish. Yeah. I don't want to give them a fish. Yeah. That doesn't do any good for them. It, it feeds them for a day. You right. know, I want to, I want to, they're the ones pitching. I'm yeah. just helping them do that better. Ultimately, they have to be the one that's throwing the ball over the plate. So, yeah, I think especially in baseball, because these guys are going to further their careers, they're going to continue to play professionally. They're going to have a handful of more coaches going forward. So you're right. It's like the better that they can filter information themselves, quality information versus not, they can make decisions. They just have like more tools in their tool belt and a better understanding. Yeah, it's a good point. That's it. At your investing in your career by coming and being a part of what we're doing right now. Yeah. Well, and when, they're on, when yeah. they're on the mound too, like that gives them, you're not there. You're not on the mound with them. So I can't you, them. you can't be in their brain telling them what, like, they need to be able to decipher that. Like, for you, I was watching baseball with somebody the other day, and they were like, I can never be a pitcher. Give up two home runs. I'd be like, well, what's the fucking point? It, like, and that's real. Like, where you got the best pitchers can give up two home runs. Maybe they're solo home runs, and they can get through that game. And maybe they don't have their best stuff, but they figure it out. And, like, that's, that's like, the how you should be teaching them is how to – decipher that information themselves totally agree. i mean you can throw a little bit of that you want some of this yeah, i was I mean, gonna offer you want it yeah give me give me give me, give me a second i'll okay. grab some of it don't rush it oh, is that too much no no we're good we're good we'll, we'll we'll make it through <laughs> we're gonna be on for an extra 
20 minutes, we will. <laughs> Deal. Got it. What are you doing during games? Uh, so I stand next to our, our pitching coach and, and try to keep him centered. <laughs> uh, I Anything and everything to help us win, basically. You know, it's just, if I need to have a conversation with someone, if I, I'm tracking things it, it, and it, you know, what is interesting is it changes depending on the time of year, right? So in the beginning, I'm still in that kind of blending development phase of like, mm-hmm. is this stuff taking, what adjustments do we need to make? And then towards the later third of the year, it's like, just guardrail the hell out of them. Like, just make sure they don't go off the rails. That's it. Yeah. How was the college World series just the best baseball environment you've ever been in? So as as crazy and as intense as Omaha was, and it was unbelievable, and I definitely want to talk about that, the Super Regional in Winston-Salem was hands down the, the best environment I've, I've been a part of in my career. To this because point. college baseball, you win your conference tournament or you get a bid, you go to Super, you go to super Regionals. Yeah, Regional first. You go to Regionals, then you go to Super. Yep. Then you go to the World Series. How many teams make it before to the Regionals? I think it's 64. I that's think it's the I, same that, as basketball. That's what I thought. Yeah. So yeah. four teams playing a regional. Yeah, there's 16 regionals. So yep. yeah, so in 64. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because yep. I, I remember looking at it and I saw that the softball was 64 and I've been trying to figure out the whole baseball, like how that how baseball and softball were compared to obviously like the NCAA basketball tournament. And then I, by the, literally by the World Series, I was like, okay, I think I got it. <laughs> <laughs> Why was the Super so much crazier or better? So we we speaks to our team so so highly but we played in front of you know very few people and then we played in front of everybody (laughs) and our team didn't change but the crowd matched who we were as a team and it was it's like it was like a football game it was like this is like i don't mike like i don't do you watch a lot of sports or no yeah i don't Mike None. does not watch sports. No, it blows every kid's mind in here. Kids are wild. Professional? Any? No, any? At all? At all? I what? used to, I used to a lot. Our whole childhood growing up, Jay. I mean, we were baseball obsessed. I could name every player. We had all the cards, football. Uh, I don't know. I think that it's because I went so to the fucking extreme with baseball. Obsessive. I get obsessive with things, and mm-hmm. that was my thing growing up and through high school. And college, and I think I just burned myself out. Mm. I only played my first two years of college baseball. I uh, played freshman year, played sophomore year. I went to fall ball my junior year. And kind of the first week or two, I was just like, this this isn't it. Like, I'm just not having fun. Yeah. I'm thinking about I'd rather be in the weight room or reading strength and conditioning <laughs> stuff instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just like, oh, shit, we have practice tomorrow. And I never felt like that. It became a chore. It right? became a chore. Yeah, yeah. And then I was just like, I'm done. And kind of when I shut the baseball switch off, I shut the sports switch off. I started watching fucking sci-fi shows and other television instead of sports and reading different things instead of reading sports things. This is as much as I know about sports. Wasn't there last year a video of like, like maybe it was Mookie Betts on the Dodgers, like hitting a home run, and the guys are like jerking off on him in the dugout, pretending to <laughs> um, piss on him? Can we look that up and confirm it? I'm going to look like a real weirdo if this is fake. Because like, Mike, what are you dreaming about? Bro? This is just from your own head, man. Yeah, that scares the shit out of me. What I got to go. What do I Google? <laughs> I don't know. Paul, Google. <laughs> Do- Dodgers dugout. Mookie Betts. Oh, oh, oh. I think it was the first thing that's I just a, found. That's a dangerous Google. You can't Yeah, Google it's fine. I'll clear my browser. 
<laughs> yeah, no, but you, you're a thousand percent right. It, just look up Mookie Betts celebration. It's the first video. Have you seen this? I, I, now I know what you're talking about. Like, I you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do know what you're talking about. I forgot about it. <laughs> yep, I didn't. There it is. Jay, yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. though? Knowing teams, not to defend them in any any way, <laughs> shape, or form, but there's some inside joke that they're just fucking around with each other. Oh yeah, right. you know. <laughs> Jay, confirm, please. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a confirmation. Water bottle on the face to end it. <laughs> Yep. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. 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 Crossing a line. Yeah. You know what? You know what you guys did in the Super or the World Series, and Jordan's gonna love this. And I don't know how we. You have young Jordan Google this. Uh, you guys did the Jay Woods, and I think you should leave the cab driver, the crooner, the driving crooner. the driving crooner. You guys did driving crooners in the dugout. Uh, did we? Was that Wake Forest? I saw that. Can yeah, you I Google can't it? keep up with they, what they do, man. They come up with new <laughs> shit every fucking day it's unbelievable yeah we like the sketch comedy show called i think you should leave it's kind of <laughs> ridiculous but well, i have I, seen that before have you? okay yeah, good, yeah. We, we love it but i think it was wake forest yeah yeah this episode of off exit 10 is brought to you by drink alchemy fatigue and brain fog affect us all destroying everything we pursue whether as an athlete artist creator or entrepreneur our mind holds the key to performing optimally. By combining the most potent organic nootropics found in nature, Drink Alchemy delivers sustainable boost to creativity, memory, energy, and focus in one epic beverage. Stop pumping your body full of excessive amounts of caffeine and unknown proprietary blends from other energy drinks and get clean energy from Drink Alchemy's natural nootropics like lion's mane, L-theanine, and caffeine from green tea. Used by Olympians, D1 athletes, MMA fighters, and entrepreneurs, Drink Alchemy has become a huge part of my daily routine making sure I'm functioning optimally during long days of coaching athletes, running CDSF, and getting in quality workouts myself. So do yourself a favor and ditch the energy drinks loaded with caffeine, other stimulants, and who knows what else, and head over to drinkalchemy.com today. Live with your mind unbound and save 10% off your order by using code CDSF at checkout. That's drinkalchemy.com, promo code CDSF for 10% off your order today. How much, okay, because college baseball, there's not as, and, and yeah, if you're not sure of these, let me know, but there's not as much money as there is in football or basketball. But how much has the new transfer portal rules where guys don't have to sit and uh, the NIL affected how you guys are able to get guys or recruit guys? So interesting situation for us is that we don't, right now we're not spending a ton of NIL money. Mm-hmm. And at Wake, uh, or at, for Wake baseball, I should are say. any baseball programs spending money? Yes, yes, LSU specifically for one. So that's what made that series so interesting. It's just it's in a lot of ways money versus development. Right. See. Okay. See. I like this. This is interesting because yeah. this trickles down to the younger levels. Yes. Because um, you have guys with NIL, you can just find money and say, "Hey, you come here, you're going to make." Mm-hmm. X amount of dollars. Yes, and the money and the money for donors in college sports is enormous. It's huge, um, and it's not as big as is, you know, major league owners per right. se. But it's, um, it's yeah. As soon as that, as soon as that flip flopped and they started paying player, I mean, that changed everything. Changed everything. Yeah, because we had Dan Gableman on, who's a strength coach for Union, and like his primary duty is their hockey team. Mm-hmm. And he told me since the transfer po- the transfer portal, you now don't have to sit a year. It's hard for them to build a really good team like they did when they won it in 2012 or 2013. Wasn't there a few guys that were on because the guys, teams that have won the last couple of years? Yeah, because they'll have, they'll have guys that go to them for a year. They'll develop them. They'll prove themselves at the D1 level. And then they'll say, all right, I'm out. I'm going to go to Quinnipiac. I'm going to go to BU. I'm going to 
Ohio State, yeah, Minnesota. Like before, he's like sitting out a year would deter guys, but mm-hmm. now it's like we're almost just the stepping stone yeah. for people. I, I think in, in our sport, it's easier to build a team this way because there are – it's free agency without contracts is basically what mm-hmm. what yeah. the transfer portal is right yeah. now. It's yeah, like it's you're not to tied to anything, and you can just hop wherever you want to. It's pretty unbelievable. Um, but the, the pieces you can put in place are far more uh, plug-and-play in mm-hmm. in the so back to the question about how we're using it we're we're i don't say we're not using it but it's it's more it? about development we're doubling down on like hey we know how to make guys better come here and get better yeah. you're in vet can we you want to get a million right now in nil money or do you want it like a big league career yeah yeah do you want to go in the first round do you want 10 million a year do you want to go in the first round baseball yeah you know what i mean do you want to do you want to be a part of the best thing you've ever been a part of in your life do you mm-hmm. want to have a place to come back and train at for the rest of your career? Yeah, yeah. This is a building. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and the and the people here are the best resources you can have. So you're you're investing in a a culture, and you're investing in the long term, um, of being part of that culture. And I I just think that outweighs the the short term check. Mm-hmm. That's trickle in a I guess in a different way. That's trickled down to the youth level. I feel like we're almost fighting that fight here i'll never do a travel team i'll I'll, I'll never somebody actually brought it up to us like recently too yeah it's just too much of a headache i'm not gonna deal with playing time i'm not gonna deal with that i feel like yeah because at the younger level you'll have people that will take a shit ton of money from kids to play on an elite team they won't put put much work into their development or care about them much as a person past just like you're gonna go play on my team Mm -hmm. and then they'll use or they'll push them towards signing Give me some more of the. Is it called the Jefferson? You want Jefferson's yeah, option? I want to stay SC. For what do you got on Lagavulin? I, I I I like this. Got? This is I'm, I'm gonna I'm rocking with what I got right now. I'm finish. It, Give me some more Jefferson. It's definitely uh, gonna put me in presence. Is that what, See what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. Definitely Isn't that crazy? Well, dude, you do poured you it, and like I'm sitting that? here. I'm like smelling. I'm like, I'm like, that's definitely strong. All right, give me one more here. Then <laughs> I'll, then I'll go over there. Okay. But okay, what I was saying, and then they'll play a role in pushing a kid to commit to a college maybe not the best college for them maybe it is or too soon or too soon and then kind of use it as advertising or clout and it's like you've done nothing to help develop this kid as a person or as an athlete you've just kind of pushed them through your system marketed Mm -hmm. them for committing them to this school i feel like yeah you just see this trickle down that drives us crazy in here do you see that i do it's very real it's very real everyone's playing a game but sometimes the parents don't know Mm-hmm. They don't know what's best. They don't know the difference between development and exposure or development and being on an elite team, whatever you want to call that. It's fucking elite 11-year-old team is a ridiculous statement. Yeah. Um, it's where the money is. Some are like the whole show ball stuff and mm-hmm. some are travel. It's where the money is. It's as simple as that for me. Are there benefits in certain scenarios for a kid to go through this showcase tournament circuit versus spend time in the weight room spend time learning about their mechanics and their body and pitching is there room for both yeah i don't think it's binary i think you can do both those yeah. things because yeah, there are different times a year right if you do if you do it right right so if you develop i would i would suggest that guys develop as pitchers in the fall and take a break and refine what they're learning through their on-ramp in the spring and then compete their ass off. And when they're competing their ass off and they're at show ball and they're getting found, then hell yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. 
you're saying you use fall ball for that or you don't do fall ball no, and you use fall ball to ref, to uh, work on your that's skills. That's a good question. Are you saying you're developing in the weight room with the pitching coach, learning about your body yes. instead of fall ball? Or both? I think it depends on the situation and on the person. I'm not going to say either one, but I uh, I think I think it's what you need. So, all right, so let's take two examples, right? So one example is uh, you got a kid that's really big. He's really mobile. He's worked on a lot of shit, and he didn't get a whole lot of innings in the spring. Mm-hmm. He should probably pitch. Mm-hmm. He needs pitching experience, Yeah. right? You get a kid who pitched a ton and halfway through the summer, and then he shut down the second half of the summer, and now he's just literally waiting until spring. Okay, that kid should wait. Okay, you so I, we, we see this with a lot of college baseball players here in the summer. I was going to say, we just is, had that right Is now. that most of our college guys that we see in here, at least, they didn't throw a lot of innings during the year, hmm. but their college summer team roster has 20, 25 pitchers who didn't throw a lot of innings during the year. Sure. And all of a sudden, we come to July, and I talked to a kid yesterday. How many innings you got? I got six. How many throw this year? I threw four. Ooh. It's like, dude, Ooh. what the fuck are you doing? Driving not... three hours, three hours, spending four hours at a field every That's day. That's the wrong You're... team, dude. Yeah. Right. You got to yeah. pitch, man. You got to face hitters. Right. Yeah. It's like, I feel like I don't know where it gets lost. If it's just a little bubble we live in, I'm sure that's not everywhere, but it's like, yeah, we need better communication. Like you got to know if I'm going to go here this summer, I'm going to get my 30 innings. I'm going to get my. I think the rich get richer in that regard. Meaning, uh, Programs have relationships with summer teams where they go, this guy's going to come and pitch here or I'm not going to send him. Plain and simple. Yeah. Right. right. So you mm-hmm. hold them accountable to that. So th- I, there's a there's a little bit of like a uh, a placement to the level that you're at for sure. Um, but I, if you're not, yeah, if you're not pitching in summer all, what are you doing? Right. You're hanging out like, yeah, you're having a good time. Yeah. You're you, spending you know? so much time. So you're not developing. Time. You have to compete. Yeah. It's so it's so underrated competing. It's so underrated. Yeah. We don't compete anymore. We take the compete out of of so much. We we they they work on their bodies and they work on their mechanics and they work on stuff and they don't work on competing and competing is the ultimate skill. It's truly a skill. That's what that's what we grew up on. We've had these talks with Steve mm-hmm. Daggs and maybe Tay or somebody else. We grew up on just competing in the backyard, yeah. beating the fuck out of each other, well, talk, <laughs> talking shit, getting yeah. into arguments, but competing. That's where you, you win. You probably, be a probably winner, a couple man. punches thrown at I some point. I think that if you ex- <laughs> if you explain like- to a kid that in the between the ages of fucking seven and thirteen, I got better than you'll get by just competing in the backyard with my friends all summer or driving to get wreck and hanging out with our friend box who just wanted to rip everybody's head off like better doing that than taking getting three lessons a week yeah. and playing on a travel team and throwing you well, know builds four a, innings on a weekend the competing builds a mental you a are, mental toughness that you're, you're, the other stuff doesn't yeah you're around our age group or like you grew up with that in the backyard. So that's a, that was my whole job. I'm still best friends with those guys. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. I just spent a whole week with those guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, it's like... But it, I, I work with And them. we still compete. Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah but we still compete. We're, We're still, still compete. competing in a different realm. We have... My buddy's going to love this. Play Mario Baseball on GameCube when you were growing up? Did you yeah. play that game? <gasps> Jay, did you? Yeah. You did? <laughs> a big video game. game guy, so yeah. Yeah. I have you it. played it recently? No, I don't have a GameCube anymore. Okay, well, A, they're like $50. <laughs> B, whoever, Nintendo, whoever worked on this game, fucking geniuses. 
geniuses. The the ability that these guys have to like mimic real baseball in this like handheld controller game decades later is unfathomable. Like you That's got unbelievable. Like, you got like Wario up there just with nice mechanics and uh, dude, you legitimately like see like <laughs> intangibles in the game that shouldn't happen or happening, and you're like, what the fuck? Dude? Is Yoshi up there dealing it? Yoshi had Yoshi's lightning fast, and he has great bat speed. <laughs> I know the game so well. <laughs> and he's got like an egg special hit and oh, it just yeah. bounces everywhere. And it, but you're like, the, each guy has his own place and he plays better here and he plays better in relief. And he's got this, and it's like, unbelievable, dude. It's so much fun. But we, we, um, we still compete at that shit. Like yeah. we play all the fucking time. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that you play uh, on a GameCube. Yeah, I feel <laughs> With like the wire I, and everything, dude. Coming yeah, out, I feel like awesome. I want Super Nintendo was like the big, big thing for us, and then yeah. we got an N sixty four, and it was like Mario sixty four and Smash Bros. Ken Griffey Junior. Baseball. Oh, good one. Yeah, like yeah. the little, yeah, the little yellow <laughs> yeah. dot thing to line up. To did you hit play? It. Hey, did you ever play? So the show is big, but the NBA version of the show. Did you ever play that? What was it called? It's just called NBA O whatever O eight O nine. Oh, I think so. And it's like there was. There was this story mode where you had to like you had an objective and you had to get you had to complete the objective within the game or else you didn't you know you didn't move on. Mm-hmm. That game was fucking awesome. Uh, they don't make games like that anymore. Like Jordan Jordan writes for IGN, the video game entertainment website. Mm-hmm. You would say, Jay? Yeah. Jay, what if you were to write an article on like your top sports games? What would you throw on there? Um, Slugfest. Oh, I think that was around like oh three. Wasn't Slugfest the commentary was in Slugfest just the the funniest thing? That was hilarious. It was, it was awesome. Too. Yeah, yeah. Like they would pan away from the dude like beating the shit out of the other guy on second Jay, base. It's so Slugfest funny. Slugfest was great. Uh, Slugfest I can't is wait on to there. hear this. Okay, what about like backyard NFL? baseball? Oh, on there. oh, oh yeah, you know what? NFL Blitz, up on NFL Blitz has got to be on NFL it. Blitz. One of the early NHL games in yeah. the nineties. Those were MVP NHL MVP baseball because it's the. That's MVP a good one. Baseball. MVP baseball with Manny Ramirez. With Manny on the front, yeah. That was, that game was yeah. amazing. Yep. It was great. <laughs> that was like one of my that game. Do you remember when Kurt Schilling tried to make his own baseball game and it didn't go so well? <laughs> no, because I hate Kurt because I hate Kurt Schilling, so I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he played for the Red Sox and I can't wait Sox. to hear the commentary on the slug uh, Yeah, so is good. there anything that exists that we can play that's good? It's just joke after so. joke, man. I'm so. beating the shit out of guys and hitting homers and laughing my ass. <laughs> Who off. was on the cover of that first slugfest? Was it A Rod? A Rod as uh, Texas Ranger. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. You're right. That sounds about right. Okay, yep. this is going to be trial and error. You didn't. I don't know with YouTube what we're going to get. Yeah, give oh, us God. one. Let's just see. Just don't give me Chris Collinsworth. Guys, they look all puffy. You know, I slept with my window open last night, and my mm. neighbor's cat might have come into the house, or yeah. we got raccoons out in the woods. More like I think it was my neighbor's cat, because I woke up and my face was all scratched. But spiders and, can do that too, Jimmy. And I'm allergic to cats, so now my whole head and face, cheeks, forehead yeah. are all swollen up. Well, you should put some turpentine on that. that that'll soothe it. That's what my dad used to do. Turpentine. Yeah. You, ever, you might want to ask somebody about counseling, Tim. Turpentine, that hurt. Yeah, all the medics used it in the war. <laughs> oh. who, who, wrote, oh, who wrote these scripts? For I don't know, but don't you, doesn't everyone that... know a dad who can do that voice fucking perfectly? Oh, yeah. I was literally thinking of like three guys in this gym that I'm like, wow, this sounds like, just I, like them. I didn't know what to expect right there. That was great. That yeah, was great. We need to sign a petition to make remake that game. That's got to be remade. I, great I, game, I, man. It's, gotta, it's good. You can you got to remake it, but it can't suck. Remember the guy got on fire and he like he couldn't ever get out yeah, you can knock the ball out of the mm-hmm. guy's hands so baseball oh you know what when we forgot about Bi- video game nba jam 
Ooh, great one. Oh, NBA Street. NBA Street. Yeah. Probably him too. Yeah. NBA, NBA Jam, man. Like going out into like the bowling alley and playing fucking that NBA game on the goddamn big arcade thing. That's the greatest game ever. <laughs> Love go. that game. Great games. But are the because of where we're at with youth sports and money and and are the days of <laughs> back to serious? Yeah. Are are the are the days of competing in the yard with your friends done? Is there ever going back to that? I would like there well, to be. I think the technology puts a hindrance on that, don't you? Yeah. You're just looking at their fucking phones all the yeah. time, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you know, not that, and I, I get it, but I, people aren't present with each other when they're sitting and eating yeah. with each other, and I just it makes me feel sad. Mm-hmm. I feel sad about that. What? Why? You know what I mean? Like I, my whole life is about being present with the people I really love. Have you always been like that, though, or did you have to learn that? I've always been like that. That's incredible. You know, but I, I owe that to my parents. I think and for little things like. I, I couldn't have video games till I was like what fourteen or something like mm-hmm. that. So I just play them at buddy's house. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But but it was like I was I was present. It forced me to be present with things. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, that's important. I feel like that's something I had to learn later in in life. Like I don't know, in my mid twenties, I feel like just like go through some shit. Sam and I are on our own, mm-hmm. trying to figure shit out. You go through bumps in your relationship. And all of a sudden, you you know you go to therapy. You talk to people. You work through stuff, and you're like, dude, I'm just like. My mind's everywhere, always. Yeah. And do you have dad power right now? Do I have dad power? Yeah, do you feel the dad power? I don't think I feel dad power. I had a couple of friends that have uh, kids recently, and they're like, yeah, dude, the dad power is a real thing. No, it I... It kicks in. I think, I guess if dad power is... I mean, there was definitely a switch. There's a switch. I guess if this is dad power, before I would just stay here as long as I possibly could, just to do shit like you know i clear my to-do list and I'd be like what else can i get done and stuff that's not even like of priority and now i'm like you know my mind is still when i'm you have to be more present when i'm here i have to be more present because i can't waste time because sure. i want to be home with my daughter so now mm. i'm here and I'm like how quickly can i get home mm. but the more present i am the more focused i am in the task at hand so it's a constraint in a positive way in a positive way <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. In a positive yeah. way. I would say for sure in a positive way. But I feel way. like that's life. It's like, okay, I'm not in a serious relationship or I'm not married. I've been with Sam forever. As people hear this, you're like, dude. What are you, High school? Is, yeah. 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 So Where'd four, you go? So I was 14, Chatham. Nice. Wow, Chatham, Chatham High School. Yeah. Yeah. You know Chatham? I know of Chatham. Yeah, small town. <laughs> I, I was 08, he was 09. Yeah. So I've known okay. Paul since okay. I was like seven. Um, but yeah, okay, you get married, you have to be more present and there if if not stuff's going to be bumpy and you're going to struggle in your relationship and then i open a business and i have to be more present with clients and with employees and better at uh uh reflecting and like evaluating what's really going on and i feel like a kid's just another tier to that bro you get to be more present Mm -hmm. yeah it's a goddamn opportunity for you yeah it's awesome it's there's there's so much to um there's so much to relish in that experience it's awesome for you. It's so cool. Yeah, it's the greatest thing ever. It's my favorite thing. I uh, Before we went in there, I showed Jordy a video of our daughter just laughing her face off yesterday. Before I had a kid, I would like probably think nothing of that. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, this is the greatest video I've ever had on my phone. That's ever. dad power. Yes, yeah, that's, 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 so that's, that's the dad power. Yeah, power. I, I the little like, things in life that you no just doubt. go, wow, this is fucking awesome. I'm not ready for your kids. I can't do it yet. Yeah, listen, you and me both. <laughs> if, one, if, one, if, one, if, one pop, if one pops up somewhere... 
You're uh, <laughs> yeah. Who's to say? You know what's crazy? You're never ready. You're never ready. No, you're. I mean, but what's, do you think you're never ready? I you yeah. Think, I think, you don't think you hit a time in your life where you're like, okay. Okay. Here's this time. though. Our story is different, and Sam's. I'll share. I'll share this. Sam will be okay with it. So yeah, I mean, you spend all of your years trying to not get somebody pregnant, to not get pregnant, right? You do. Yeah. I mean, that's what you're doing. And then when we start to try, we have a hard time. I've heard this so many times. We have yeah. a hard time. And we end up, we start trying in 2019. Wow. And Took no, that long? Yeah, no luck, no luck. I mean, and we, we learn about medical stuff along the way. Yeah. yeah, and we end up doing, uh, we end up doing IVF. We end up doing three IVF cycles, the third work. So it becomes a 2023, 2019, really? Four, four years. It becomes yeah. a four-year process. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, at, at some point you hit this point where you're like, oh my God, what if I can't? I want this. Uh, isn't that, a, that's a horrible thought. Yeah, it was yeah. a horrible thought. And our, and in 2022. Humbles you, humbles you. For yeah, sure. and then April sure. in 2022, our grandma passed away, who we were close to. We grew up with our whole life. Our whole family goes to the hospital. We're all together, my uncles, my cousins. And, you know, we know it's coming. And during that time, you know, probably a month earlier, we had, you know, didn't have success in other IBF. And you're like, fuck, like you see one generation gone. And you're like, oh my God, what if I can't have the next generation? And that was the heaviest. Yeah. And that one, I was, that is when it finally clicked when yeah. I was like, I absolutely want to have a kid. That was mm-hmm. the first time where I was like, mm-hmm. 100%, I want to have the a kid. The idea that your bloodline might end. Right yeah, there. you see mm-hmm. one go. Yeah. One generation go, and you're yeah. like, oh, my God, look how everybody just came together. What if I can't continue this everybody coming together? You so, did. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty extreme for us, but that was the first time I was like, man, this is what I want. It's awesome. Yeah, and I think I think you can be ready, but you're still never ready. You know what I mean? I, like, you're, you're, yeah, You can no be prepared, doubt. but you're still never, like, ready. Because you like That's when that thing when that thing shows up, you're just like, oh fuck, yeah, this is a human. There's no way you can prepare for that. <laughs> yeah, as best as you well, you could try. Yeah, you can. I be, don't know. You can prepare yourself, <laughs> but like, I don't know if you're ever. 100% ready until it happens and then you yeah. go all right well yeah. this shit's happening well that's when it becomes that's when it became real mm-hmm. this became real i mean until yeah the baby's in your hands it's like, I, I even remember with us when we were talking about you know schedule change and all this stuff like up until like probably around when sam was like pretty much gonna have the baby i felt like there was just like yeah it's, we'll, we'll be all right we'll figure this out da 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 and then Switch flipped, ba- baby came, and like everything went right in line the way it was supposed to. And I was like, mm-hmm. "All right, awesome." But there was a time where I was like, "Okay, is is Mike gonna understand that? Okay, you got to be home more often." You know, same with Dan, who just had had his son. Like, are you, you got to be yeah. home more often? Like, we'll figure the gym's gonna stay standing, and it's your baby, and I get it. But now you have a real baby. But so. that's where that's where setting up like with you awaken your team and like that's where setting up a team and systems is so important because mm-hmm. we have we I have my baby Dennis his baby and you're just like okay everything's in place let's, systems run themselves for let's sure. initiate and things are gonna Jim go didn't burn down <laughs> yeah <laughs> hopefully not not yet hopefully not <laughs> so but that it was a uh, definitely a a good change for sure yeah and you think. Where'd you go to high school? So at the Catholic Central High School, okay. which is apparently no longer a thing. I heard this recently. Wait, what? Mean? Yeah, it's not open anymore. Oh. Or it merged. Maybe it merged. I think it school. might have merged because we have, a, I know there's somebody in here, one of our. 
But what kids goes or not our kids, but how somebody big said was your graduating somewhere. class? Eighty six. What year did you graduate? Eighty nine, something like that. Uh, Eleven, two thousand eleven. Okay. I was. So yeah. did you play multiple sports in I high did. school? Yes. What did you play? Played, uh, I ran cross country in the fall, which is not really playing anything. I, I, I'm glad you said it because I was going to say. I was wanting in one direction. Uh, Tracks a sport. And I played basketball through three years. I didn't play my senior year. How many of. You would have been a nasty wide receiver, man. How many of your. I real, appreciate that. How many of your 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 pitchers on weight just played baseball versus yeah. played other sports in high school? That's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. I know that there. I know of both for okay. sure. Of both, I don't know how many, but I know that I know that some guys played many sports, and I know that some played just one. So you could get to the top, specializing in high school or not. In our field, it's like sports specialization is a negative term. You think about overuse injuries, you think about the psychology and burnout. Um, yeah, what would? You have a 14-year-old that's coming with you. He's pitching. You're working on things. And he says, Mike, I think I'm going to quit basketball. I think I just want to work on my pitching stuff in the winter. How do you handle that? What do you say? So as as always and as preface, it's it's very dependent on the person in the situation, for sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not, there's, not a, there's not a binary answer to give, anything. Give me, to, give, me a situation, give me a situation where you would say, no, dude, keep playing basketball. Um. Okay, so this is interesting. Um, I think it's different for position players and for pitchers. Explain. Here's why. Position players rely on athleticism. And when you're playing multiple sports, especially basketball or football, which seems to be the other sport that most baseball players play, mm-hmm. um, it's so reactionary and it's so in flow and it's so hard-nosed all at the same time that I think they I think the skills they reap from that directly benefit their ability to be a college baseball player pitchers can certainly apply the same information for sure but they're more rotators than they are athletes pitching is such a specific skill set yes it's rotation it's so it's so whittled down to how well do I rotate and it's such a uh, – you have to labor over the skill of doing that to be so good at it um, that I, I can see why people do that. I like to say that pitching and baseball are two different sports. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a good way to look at it. That is a good way to look it's at like, it. I think I know that in my head, but I never think about it like that. Right, but it's true. Yeah, because other field sports, let's just say lacrosse, soccer, basketball, football, there's a lot of carryover with lateral movement, change of direction, <laughs> well, hand-eye coordination, reaction. I was going to say reaction, re- reactiveness, like not thinking too much. Because in baseball, you, you could overthink the entire game. Yes. Because you could not have a ball hit to you the entire game. Yeah. And just be thinking about, well, I struck out the last two times. What am I going to do now? Um, <laughs> and if you think that way, guess where the ball's coming? Yeah, yeah right. right at you. Right. Or, like you or, the, or guess what's happening the next at-bat. It's You're the right intangible Dude, baseball. Mike, listen, listen, listen to this. We'll get back to pitching. But uh, I went into college – as an infielder, mm-hmm. I made the team as a shortstop, second baseman, utility guy in the infield. Go to Arizona for our spring trip. Uh, hadn't seen any innings. We're probably in game four or five. We went out there with like one last outfielder, somebody got hurt, and then like one or two other guys go down. We're mid game, and coach is like, uh, some outfielder gets hurt. He's like, we have nobody. Who's going out there? I was like, yeah, fuck sure, me. <laughs> 
And Paul, I mean, could you picture me playing no. outfield, Paul? No. We played together since we were seven no. years old. It'd be like me playing infield. And like, Mike, it's I not meant to happen. Mike, I swear, fuck, I swear, the first three balls get hit to me, bro. <laughs> yep. I, the I ball run, finds you, man. It's baseball. I run circles. I make two diving plays, which should have been routine plays. Yeah. And then I became an outfielder. Like I played most of my innings in college in left field and right. Which Paul's probably like, ha- I, yeah. <laughs> Mike could catch a pop up in the infield like it's nothing. A fly ball to the outfield. Mike's like. Uh, where the fuck is this ball going? It's hilarious. Me, you hit a ground ball at me in the infield. I'm just gonna ole it. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> I'm oleing it, and I'm going but, to the okay, outfield. That makes sense. But okay, so then this goes to my next question. You have your development as a pitcher. Mm-hmm. That's your development of a specific skill. Your development as an athlete to me is different. Yes. That's a variety of movement patterns. That's using different energy systems. That's putting your mind in different places. That's different. When can you rob somebody of losing out on athletic development versus pitching development? Because if you're 14, you stop basketball, you're all of a sudden dropping out of your athletic development button, bu- a bucket to put in your pitching development bucket. Yeah. Correct? And it certainly goes into both. Like, certainly, if you play multiple sports and you're an awesome athlete, it's going to help you as a pitcher. Correct. It is. is. But there are so many pitchers who aren't amazing athletes. Agreed. That they should just focus on the one thing that's going to get them somewhere. So It's doubling down on what you're good at. Yeah, so how are we we learning when it's okay to tell the kid, yeah, you know what? If you want to play in college, you got to put your eggs all in the pitching bucket. Well, it's not necessarily true. That's the thing. I think think if if, – let's talk about the – the one the one aspect of this that most people don't talk about, which is the competitive skill. We don't train the competitive skill. So you're going to take them out of more competition to put them in an environment where they're competing less mm-hmm. most of the time. You're saying take them away from another take sport. Take them away from yes. another sport where they're competing to help make them work on skills where skill. they're not competing. Competing is a skill. I mm-hmm. can't, like, you figure out how to win. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Figure out how to win. Right. There's a reason why people would take Derek Jeter over Alex Rodriguez. He yeah. goes, Derek Jeter was a winner. A-Rod needed Jeter to win. So it's like yeah. that competitiveness is a skill. I hate fo- – I, I think I unfollowed I, – I followed Alex Rodriguez on like Instagram for a minute, and it was fucking Oh, I man. definitely don't follow him. I definitely don't follow him. I'll follow Derek Jeter all day. It's my childhood. Never, man's never let me down. Social media is kind of miserable. It is it? miserable. It's miserable. What's it doing to us, man? Nothing. Nothing. Well, it's, it's here's free, the it's, no, free it's doing something to us. It if is. I, oh, yeah. It's doing it bad things. I think it's mostly bad things. Mostly bad things. There are some there good. There are good things. There is connecting with people. You reachability. Yes. Mm-hmm. Your ability to reach people that's is huge, but it's exploited for well, sure. And that's where in here I try. I've done it with a couple kids in here where I told them, I was like, dude, you are, you know so much about sports. You can talk sports with the best. So I'm like, start a podcast. Start a Twitter page for it. Yeah. Start this. And now they have something productive to do with their social media. Yes. And both of the kids that I told this to, Went and one of them started like a blog, yeah, and like all sort of stuff. One's done a podcast. He's got an Instagram page for yeah, it. There's definitely stuff. positive ways to do it. You can impact people. You can mm-hmm. impact people. If we, if I didn't own a business, I wouldn't be on it. You'll never see my house. You'll never yeah. see my kid on yeah. social. I'm barely on my social. I, my I personal. Think, I think like anything else, it's it's about choosing what you consume, mm-hmm. and it's be it's very difficult with social media because there are so many options. Yes, it's yeah, just it, infinite. Uh, Meta just started Thread. It's their version of Twitter. All yes. of a sudden, here's a. I saw that. I went, oh, that's Twitter for Instagram. That's it looks just like Twitter. Yeah. It looks just like it, Twitter. It's the same yeah. thing. It's, like, it's so interesting how they frame the same idea in different colors and no one bats an eye. 
Isn't that fascinating? Mm-hmm. No, it's but the it same also, fucking idea. Also, I don't know what I think about either of these guys, but it was a savage move by like Zuckerberg. Like he hasn't posted to Twitter. I think I read in like ten years, oh, and he posted the other day. Does that mean he wanted to? Uh, and he just posted like the two Spider-Mans like pointing at each oh, other. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh. <laughs> He's calling a shot. Yeah. yeah. And then he put, if you go on threads, he put a button with the little Twitter logo that just yeah. says like tweet, like tweet my thread. So you can just put what you put <laughs> in this thing over that's to Twitter. Like, that's a savage move. Though. That's just, yeah, that's just rubbing your nose in it. For yeah, sure. that's nice. But uh, yeah, there's positive ways and there's not. It takes away from you being present. It definitely takes away it from you being present. You're I getting... fight that. I fight that, man. I fight it too. You know how I'll many do. times I sit down and my body wants to just open up my phone and open something? Isn't mm-hmm. that crazy, Mike? It's all the time. You don't know what all you're doing, but you're doing it. And I put a time limit on it and it still doesn't work. You it's go on wild. your phone. You go on your phone just to go on your phone. Like You don't I, even have a reason sometimes. Like, you're I got just like, I'm going to go on it because... If, if you know, people find an open space... They'll, they'll go on it. Mm-hmm. I got it read, immediately. I got rid of notifications on all social media, so I don't yeah. get the red bubbles. Yeah, that's been helpful. That's good because that's good. that doesn't feel like you need to complete something. That, that's mm-hmm. how I am. Yeah, like if I see a red bubble, way. I'm like, that's got to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's so I oh got so much. If you if you're out at a, re, at a restaurant and you see someone, you see two people at a table, and you see the one person get up to go to the bathroom, bang, phone out immediately. Immediately, I've done it immediately yep. mm-hmm. to the point where the person I'm sitting with goes to grab something, and I just sit there. And I just like sit back and I'm like, is that a mechanism to, (laughs) is that a mechanism though, to not feel what you're really feeling and just put your brain somewhere else and you're, I think it's because they're not comfortable with themselves to some degree, to some degree. And whether it's, that's not wrong with them. It's just, it is, it's how it is. Like they're, they can't sit comfortably with themselves for that long. Yeah. And that, and, and that's, we're just, we're used to avoiding our own self-conflict rather than sitting with ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. It's scary because, I mean, just with kids, it's like it's only going to become more and more. You have a mm-hmm. new platform pop up the other day. You're going to have. It's going to be in our brains. You're going to have VR. Oh, yeah, we're going to have fucking it's gonna neuro, be in our brains. Neuralinks in it's our head. Had, dude, have you watched any of that? It's like. Like sometimes I do. How could it not head that way? How could it not? I think it goes here I'm get to like island. VR glasses to like. So it's like. What's VR the, glasses come and they go, this is too inefficient. This is a layer. Right. And then they start peeling people's brains back. Because already, like, VR and, like, the metaverse is... What's the movie, Jordan? And it's a book, too? Mm-mm-mm. Ready Player One. Ready Player uh, One. Freaky. It's a freaky movie. Yeah, that exists to a degree. It does, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, watching Elon talk about... The Neuralink. Hey, like, dude, he meets with the real, he's a fucking the alien. real people. He's a, fucking, <laughs> he's a fucking alien. He's smart you've, as shit. You've seen Men in Black, right? Like the the movie Men in yep. Black, yep. You know like how the aliens like take yep. over their bodies. He yeah, looks he's like him? he's from that movie. Interesting. Like there's an alien inside of him. Maybe running that, his body. That's what's <laughs> that's what's scary. If I let myself sit with my thoughts about having our daughter now, is that like yeah? What is yeah? Who'd what, you bring it into this world? What is the world gonna yeah. gonna be? Because yeah, I mean. Everybody her age is going to be. But that's an opportunity for you. Mm-hmm. Yes, but to a, to a degree. If... Imagine the advantage she has in life if she goes through life present mm-hmm. and with herself and with people. That's an amazing gift. Mm-hmm. It's an advantage that people mm-hmm. don't have. It's what I love about like my sisters and how they've raised my nieces and nephews. Like they f- they almost force them to be present. Yeah. In a lot of ways, and then and now and they enjoy being present. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I do this in person only and not through. Oh, this is awesome. And not, you guys have something so great here, by the way. It. I great. appreciate I you. It's awesome. Yeah, Thank not you. through Zoom because. You can't do it through Zoom. You can't. 
You're, and, just, you're, you're listening to respond. You're not, you're not really. Yeah, you can't be present. I can't have a connection with people. You no. Know? It's awesome. It's over whiskey. You let your, you let your guard down a little bit. Yeah. yeah this whiskey was in the fucking, I don't know what ocean, but it was in an ocean. Do we know an ocean? Uh, no, I don't. It was in an ocean. I don't know. It's got the map of the world on the back of it. Who, who knows where it was? Are you looking at it? It's the Indian Sea. I think it was kind. I think it was kind of near Cape Cod. Like kind was of. Was it? I, no, I was just joking because uh, it was like I'm pretty sure like not that far off so of Cape Cod this, is where the Titanic went. I down. brought this to the. <laughs> I just learned that. Yeah. It's fascinating. Not, I didn't that, know that. It's not that far off Cape Cod. So I just I brought this to the Cape. Oh, it was a perfect perfect match on the beach at night with the fire with mm. the boys. Yeah. Perfect. So good perfection. Yeah. Do we know Jay or is it a mystery? We'll let the mystery be. It's fucking in some, dude, some dude's pool. This episode of Off Exit 10 is brought to you by Anchor and the all-new Anchor Pro. Crafted to endure the most high-performance workouts without the high cost and space requirements of a standard cable machine. Named the best portable cable machine by Men's Health Home Gym Awards, Anchor provides the full functionality of a cable machine in one small space-saving unit. Designed with user-friendliness in mind, Anchor can simply be attached to any squat rack or placed on any wall in your home gym using its intuitive sliding track mount. With up to 65 pounds of resistance, Anchor is built for high-speed and controlled exercises alike, from cable presses and rows to chops and lifts. The Anchor has been a game-changer for us here at CDSF, and now you can enjoy the same professional-quality cable machine in your own home gym by heading over to anchortraining.com and using code CDSF10 for 10% off your order today. Get all the benefits of a cable machine without the high-cost installation fees. Enjoy the portable luxury and space-saving performance of Anchor today by going to anchortraining.com and using code CDSF10 at checkout. That's anchortraining.com, promo code CDSF10 for 10% off your order today. All right, let's talk pitching. Ask yeah, me some pitching I, stuff. Yeah. Okay, so we're talking about rotation. That's such an important quality. Hip, hips being able to rotate, your yeah. torso being able to rotate. So when you're looking at somebody's, because everybody's going to rotate differently or to different degrees based on how they move in their body. Mm-hmm. Where are you starting to evaluate that and say, how can I make you a better, a more efficient rotator? One frame go in video, one frame. And it's where it's where their front leg starts to block. It's when it's on the ground and starts to stabilize in relation to how much is rotated from their pelvis, trunk, and shoulders. That's everything. You can nail it. You can whittle it down to that frame. And you can work backwards from how they got there and what happens after that, but that is the root of of biomechanics from an efficient perspective is are they blocking are they blocking all of that rotation from that point so their front let their front foot's down yes they're planted and now they're starting to rotate their femur is coming back into them how much rotation has occurred or how much rotation is going into their block is going to go back into the arm that's the uh that's the frame to work okay because you'll okay let's then break it down more you'll see somebody who's really inefficient at that block they're planting and that front knee start is going forward too much. Yeah, is bent correct? Yeah. How are you start? Okay, so you see that. Where are you starting to choose? This is where I'm going to go at it with you. This is where we're going to make our first like Hit intervention. Me. Let's go. Where are you making your first intervention, or what's making you make that choice? Of this so there, is what I'm going at. There are so many different options, um, but that that tells everything because it's the ultimate. Which direction do I head in? So. Here, stick your fist out real quick. What are you doing? Uh, resisting. Right. So mm-hmm. all I did was push into your fist, and mm-hmm. you automatically push back into mine. I didn't tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. That's the front leg. 
If it receives energy the correct way, it will block and send it back up the chain. So you're saying what? Into the ground. So if you if you feed your front leg correctly with your back leg, it will react appropriately and transfer that energy backwards. Then basically generate a force up to your arm. Yes. Um, and this is this is an example of the whittling. I call it the whittling process, where you literally whittle down away from the fat and get to a point where um, you you find an ultimate process. Like, what's the one thing I can do with this dude that that fixes his? his Are you sequence? just using that video? Are you using the video? Maybe things your athletic trainer saw in terms of ranges of motion, other movement patterns. You can see it when you when you study enough video you begin to see it here's my favorite thing about data and about technology is most of the, so if you look around our lab most of it is cameras most of it is just a lens right from different angles we have like it's like 25 cameras some, something like that and if you think about cameras it, they're just eyes mm -hmm. but they're tracking information better than we can in our brains right and they're saving it but it's a, it's the same exact process so if you if you use the information to look at the video and understand visually what's occurring, you can start to look at video by eye and by hand and make changes. And that's that's how we're, like you look at our pitching staff, that's how we're, we're making changes so quickly is by video. It's like, wow, we know what to look for immediately. I mean, it's to the point where like we, obviously the data helps to be sure, but you watch a video of a guy and you go, oh, he's gotta do this, this, and this. It starts that second. And usually it's we walk downstairs after that conversation and tell the kid and start working. I mean, that makes sense, though, to use film and video, because when I think of, you know, this, my main sport that I played was football. And I think of the amount of film study that goes into football. Yeah. From the macro level as a team to the micro level as the, the quarterback, the coach, the running back, the offensive lineman. But can you look at that? It's the same thing. Can you look at that video? and you see how he moves and where his body's positioned and go, he lacks hip rotation there, he lacks stability there, he, he lacks rotation here, this is what we gotta work on. All of those things, yes. Like if you put him on a table or watch him move, you go, I know what I'm gonna see. It's to a point where, again, you train yourself to, it. I call it seeing in color. Like, I, I, think, I think the majority of people watch the game as you know, what happens and strategically, like who moved wherever, but there's an underlying layer that you can see in color that you use data to understand and it teaches you about the game and you see it in a way that you can't see after Okay, that. but what did you study in college? Mass communications. <laughs> right, like you don't have- Like everybody else. <laughs> you don't You don't have a biomechanics background. So you're self-taught in all I this. I do have a biomechanics background. Where's that come from? From experience. However, I don't have a biomechanics degree. Right. Those are two different things. Right. But you're self-taught, though, in, yes. in all the biomechanics that, yes. that you know. Which, in a very biased way, I think is better. That's what, when I, I worked at, I interned at, at Cressy Sports Performance Massachusetts yes. in 2012. Yeah. Yep. And Matt Blake. I remember that about you. And Matt Blake was there. And Were you at the same time? I mean, Matt, yeah. I really like that guy. Matt's amazing. And I like Matt, that guy, too. And Matt Steltz. He's smart as shit. Steltz, he he's a great guy, he's too. he's a good Stel person. Yeah, he's a great person. Steltz, our high school coach, uh, went up there and visited me when I was there. I met Matt and talked to him. This was in 2012. And now they go to some convention every year, 
and Stelz will go over. They remember each other. They'll talk. It's like dude, Stelz knows fucking yeah. everybody. But okay, but yeah, it doesn't, that, it doesn't take long to start knowing almost everybody. Yeah, the, it's, this, it's really interesting. Yeah, this field's small, and your yeah, field too. Small. I'm sure as you as you as you kind of climb the your way up, the circle of people who know what they're doing gets smaller and smaller. Yeah, yeah. you know one person, you know everybody. Yeah, but uh, yeah, <laughs> Matt Matt didn't have any biomechanics background. He was a high school coach and then doing lessons at Cressy's yeah. now. there in 2012. And now he's fucking pitching coach, coach for the I tell Yanks. people all this, like I, I'm in the lab, and people, people ask me like, "What was your degree in?" And I'm like, "Not fucking this." Yeah. Well, <laughs> you it, know, and it's crazy because I saw something recently too, like just a, some somebody that became like one of the youngest like millionaires like ever or whatever, and he never went to college. He self taught himself on on YouTube and all other stuff, and it's just like the access to information and we talked about like there's a lot of misinformation yes but just the access you have to information you don't always it's much easier to go the unconventional route than it used to be 30 years ago yes where you didn't have the internet and you didn't have all this other stuff so you did have to go to college was it was it, was it hard for you to learn anatomical terms and that movement and be able to have conversations oh, with ats question. and and with biomechanists no and, and here's here's why because it's so much more complex. All I had to do was understand it. They're human beings, so I just if I speak English, they get that. If I speak unless they don't speak English. If I speak science to a normal person, they'll say something right, right. You're humor me here, would you? <laughs> I'm just trying to be Come devil's on. advocate, you know. God damn it. <laughs> it's my job here is to be devil's advocate. It's yeah. my... <laughs> anyway. It if you're if you're in AT saying science language to a normal person, they'll never get it. No. They'll never get it. But if Correct. you speak normal English in normal person to a science person, they get that. And I think that's where the that's where the sport needs to head. That and gives, I think it's where we're I think taking that's it. I think that's strength training too. But that gives you a, that mm -hmm. gives you a strength or a step above a lot of people because I've spoken here before that I did a couple internships and I had some really good mentors. Who really like taught me that the foundation is relationships and communication and you can know all this science shit That's so true but a lot mm -hmm. of people they don't care or you can't they're not going to relate to you when you just speak like that so it's like a younger kids who are coming out of school with biomechanics degrees or physiology degrees and like that's how they speak to people especially yeah. to the athlete you're gonna have a harder time mm -hmm. that sounds like cliche but but it's true. It's true. It's true. It really is true. It's like it's like I could give you the best idea ever, but if I say it to you in Chinese, and you've never seen Chinese or heard Chinese, yeah, yeah. how are you going to understand that? Uh, it's in here. We could have a new adult client, and I could give them the best explanation of how their body moves and yeah. why I'm choosing these yeah. exercises and their technique, and Paul could just talk to them about their kids and their weekend yeah. and and. Paul will get them to sign up a hundred times over mm -hmm. what I would. Right. Well, and it's like you said, talk to them like a human being. And like I'd say, and I even because we we have a new strength coach here, and you know we've talked to him before, and just like in coaching him, I tell him like keep it simple, man. Just talk to him like a human. You're gonna get one out of twenty five people that want the fucking insertion point of this muscle to that. The like, I, I don't even know, know what you, you know. just said. Exactly. I have no idea. What you <laughs> exactly. Watch your mouth, right? It, yeah, it's like, it, but and I know, I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm mm -hmm. thinking. But if you if you say it to me in that way, I'm like, how do I use that? Yeah. You know exactly. what I mean? It's right. crazy. Just just speak normal to them. Related to something they know and speak normal. I just speak normal. That's mm -hmm. it. You know what really helps is physics. 
So like physics is my so I so physics. I physics and anatomy. That's biomechanics. People don't mm-hmm. understand that. Biomechanics is it's measuring where your joints are throughout the space and time of your delivery. I use this example tonight with a, a couple of kids. It's if you were going to measure how long something was, you'd take a ruler or a measuring tape and go right and just mm-hmm. like okay, it's nine inches, whatever. It's biomechanics, but it's measuring how you're moving over the course but it's points right it's points over this over the course of your delivery and where i think that needs to be taken is it's how that energy is built up and transferred over the course of your delivery it's one motion it's like you gotta you if you're gonna look at a domino sequence is my favorite example of this here we go it's not a visual show but we'll do it visually anyway right i'll try to describe it so if i'm gonna knock down just don't knock them over i won't Oh, are you going to clip this, Jay? So, here we go. Using Jay's the, definitely clipping I'm this. I'm putting Lagavulin in front. <laughs> <laughs> so, if, if if I have four dominoes, right, and I want to knock all of them down at one time and have the an- energy transferred through as efficiently as possible, I'm going to hit this one as straight as possible and allow them to transfer through. 99% of pitchers come in when their dominoes are not lined up, so it doesn't matter how much force you put into the equation. It matters that you sequence them properly first, and then you can focus on how hard they're all falling down. And the issue with biomechanics is it tells you, oh, your pelvis um, doesn't move as fast as everyone else's. (laughs) Okay, what do I do with that? (laughs) Like, how do I get better from that? It's the, it doesn't move I thought you were fast. still lining up the dominoes and I no, realized you were re- <laughs> rearranging it back to where it was. Well, I might rearrange and just support myself some more. But <laughs> the, it's, it's, it's how do I line these up to, um, to knock down more force. So you're saying how to get your joints to better positions at the right time? So literally what it is. Yes. Yeah. It's literally how energy transfers more through. And it's like, and when it makes sense to you, like from a fit, when it, when you put it in a physics perspective, like we all live on planet earth and we're following the same rules of physics. Mm-hmm. Like that blew my mind when I came, when I came to that realization of holy shit, it's just energy moving through the same human. Everyone is arguing like everyone's different and no one sequences the same. And like, like it's, that's just not true. This is not true. We have four, we have, four limbs we have two arms and two legs and a torso and and everyone's built the same way and everyone moves a little bit differently but the sequences so the you're same. saying the sequences the okay same. so you're okay but everybody's deliveries look different so you're saying at certain <laughs> points at certain points in time yeah. they're getting to these the similar points. positions mm-hmm. same they're just exact points they're getting there oh, in different that, ways that's in and our too. systems and how we're measuring and how we're comparing it let me see that, me see that ocean one over fall. there you want that one yeah i want to see that's what, your favorite one i, I mean you guys are gonna like that I listen I, I that one's good just you know, this this one is like, it's just you know i'm trying to make it home tonight <laughs> we can sleep here we got benches <laughs> you're right we, we're gonna do this all night until yeah, we're sober we, you're right you're right 100 um, fair enough yes it's it's the it's the se- the sequence is the same so here's the here's how this works name me two pitchers that you love to watch pitch jordan say one can it be of any time period doesn't matter nestor Paul, go. <laughs> hold on, hold on, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I like that's, a showman. I hold on, that's never happened to me before, ever. <laughs> and he can't use that example. <laughs> and he doesn't throw hard enough. <laughs> Garrett Cole. Okay, great. 
that's ninety nine percent of what people say. Best record. It's hands down. They go in the, the Guinness Book of World Records for my favorite answer ever. To that question. Cece. Okay, great. All right. So we got uh, who's your name? Cole. Yeah. Right, Cole and Cece. Love Cece. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. Uh, give me another lefty yeah, or righty. Let's make them both. All right. I'll, make, I'll, I'll give you a righty. Let me Roger Clemens. Perfect. Okay, Cole. The same picture in different generations. Mm-hmm. Agreed. That, right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, sort of, but yes. Well, I, yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. Like comparable to comparable. Garrett Cole is the Roger Clemens of his he, generation. He really is. He, he really is. is. When you when you think about it. So, two different pitchers. Correct. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Okay. Like you watch them pitch, and you're like two completely different, but different pitch packages, right? Like different. They look different. They have different timings. One's going to throw out your head. One might not. (laughs) 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 One's using data. One's not. Yeah, Yeah, no doubt. Um, When you you watch them pitch, right, they're so obviously different. And there's so many different reasons for that, right? Genetics, uh, where they grew up, their age at a certain point in time, um, what they were taught, right? Their experience, how they psychologically think about themselves. Like we can go on for forever for their, why they're different. The really cool part is when you break them down, elite movers do something really similar and they move in the same sequence. And it's not exact. And this is where people would go, well, it's not, you know, sometimes their torso moves more than their pelvis does or whatever. But the, I would argue because the body is built the same way for each person, although it's slightly different, and you live on planet Earth and you abide by the same physics. Um, energy is going to transfer through the human body in more or less the same way. And it seems to be identical no matter who you are. And if it doesn't result in more force, I would argue there's something inefficient or off about your delivery in your sequence. The sequence is very, very, very similar no matter who you are. What makes them different is the direction they rotate in the speed that they rotate in, the timing in which they're de- in their delivery in which they rotate in, right? And that's your individual peak of who you are and your expression of who you are as a pitcher. So the secret, not the secret, but the the key comes down to can you find the sequence that works across the human body on planet Earth but allow yourself to express who you are as an individual while at the same time maximizing the amount of energy that's going through your body. How do you, that's the key. How do you know when you're working with a guy, this is what I need to change, versus this is what I shouldn't change because this is them expressing themselves? Yeah, ball flight. That's ball where flight. ball flight comes in into play, right? What's deceptive about him? What is going to get guys out all the time? <laughs> Most of the time. Don't change that. Feed that but feed it physiologically, feed it anatomically. That's the key. So you're seeing ball flights you want, ball flights that are that are yeah. beneficial towards getting guys out, and you're saying, here's what your body's doing when the ball's doing this. No, it's more um, yes, but no. But so it's more this is what's deceptive. We need to keep this. Right. Let's put you in a position that would make this more deceptive. Uh and more impactful, and then let's feed the fuck out of that. That's basically what, it's like. It's like what? <laughs> what do you do really well? How do we? How do we? Double down. Maximize on the yeah. shit out of this. Right. It's basically what it comes down to. 
when you say like deceptive, are you talking? So maybe you got a guy that throws ninety four, but when it comes out of his hand, it looks it. When you're the batter, it feels like ninety eight. Is that what you're talking about? Or are you talking more? Great of... question. No. Okay. Um. You played in high school, right? Yes. You hit off the batting machine how many times? Uh, too many. Infinite amount of times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where was it always fucking placed? I mean, they they attempted to always place it in the strike zone. Yeah. Sometimes it hit a coaching I chest. Mean, no, no, I mean the machine. <laughs> oh. I don't mean the ball. Oh, I mean the, the machine? machine? It was at the same distance every time, like whatever we yeah. had in our gym. In the same lateral distance, yeah. right? Every, Sideways. Everything was the same. No matter what. Mm -hmm. So you hit a ball gaining momentum in the same direction thousands of times. Okay. We try to find as different as possible from that. Okay. And then we try to throw that over the plate as many times as possible. All right. That makes that makes sense. <laughs> that makes too much sense, right? It's just yeah. like it's like okay, I've never hit a ball from this direction before. How do I do this? Yeah. Cool. Well, we'll see how you guys handle this over the course of fifty six games. Yeah. <laughs> and we do that for every pitcher. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Did, that's where you see it's too simple. With yeah. major league pitchers, yeah. the adjustments they always have to make because hitters are making adjustments throughout the season with the hundred and sixty two games. Mm -hmm. So they're making adjustments, and then all of a sudden, you're like, why is this pitcher so good? And then all of a sudden, they have like a stretch of like three or four games. Yes, do you, hitters have figured them out a little bit. Do you, it's very different in the big leagues than it is in college. Do you study yeah. pro guys? I work with pro guys. Yeah, so it's yes. like it's like we've had. I had somebody here. I don't watch sports. I just have small talk in here. But somebody explained to me how Ian Anderson from around here had so much success early on. I know he had an injury, but then guys figured him figured him out and then he and then he struggled so actually i worked with ian he came down to the lab can uh, we talk about it or no uh if i can't say something i won't how, how's yeah, that for yeah, a deal yeah, yeah. Okay. that's that's fair okay. but when guys say he figured this person out like they mean uh, what they've gotten used no, to no their... i think he got off you know it's amazing about ian like so i'll say this about first about ian is when i worked with ian I felt his desire to be great. And that was really intoxicating. Like, it was like, I really want to be good. I really, like, I was good, and now I'm going through a rough patch, and I'm determined to figure this out. And that's that's about when, you know, he found out he had an injury. Um, I I don't know specifically what happened with Ian, but I do know, I, I think, I think there are, pitches thrown uh, that for the most part um, a majority of hitters can adjust to once they figure it out and I think that, that probably happened to him right and with just the amount of the analytics and the data teams and the people can figure things out now so I'll tell you this so watch a game from the side okay watch a game from the dugout right picture picture you standing in a dugout this is the root of baseball and you're watching the pitcher hitter conflict, right? That's where mm -hmm. everything happens is mm -hmm. how does the ball meet the bat? That's everything in baseball. And what clicked for me was I, I remember watching in, in BP one day, actually I can tell you exactly where it was. It was at Maryland in our regional last year. And I, I remember I, for whatever reason before the game, I didn't have much to do. I remember like at the end of the season, it's just guardrail on guys, right? Just making sure they don't get off too much. And I remember studying everything I could possibly study and i started watching bp and i was curious as to why certain hitters were better in bp and in general versus other hitters 
And I started noticing that the better hitters, if you, if I defocused my eyes, the blur of the ball would meet the blur of the bat, no matter where the blur of the ball was. Like they would, they would adjust the momentum of their swing to the momentum of the pitch, no matter where it was. And I went, Oh shit, light bulb moment. Right. And I went, it's about mismatching the blur of the ball to the blur of the bat as often as humanly possible. This is the whole, like, this is the, I didn't, you didn't, you don't need data to do that, but the data polishes that idea. It defines that idea. Right. It describes what's happening. Yeah. yeah. It's like in this, in this field, you have researchers who do stuff in the lab and say, well, this is the outcome of that. I've never been in a fucking lab. I've never published a research article, but I've, I've been working with, you know, hundreds of people, uh, you know, a Mm -hmm. fucking week for 11 years. So I can come to the same conclusions probably. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you can because you have a feel for the game. Right. And I would advise, by the way, I would advise you to watch more baseball because it's so ever adjusting. If you're going to be preparing athletes to compete, you have to know you want to develop their skills to compete against a weakness. Like that's a huge, that's a huge key to being successful is do you double down on their strengths? Yes. Do you throw their strengths against their weaknesses? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. That's where the magic happens. Right. That's why you get a 0.8 differential in ERA. That's why you lead the country in, in Caper 9 and in WHIP and in low I was looking all rates. that up earlier. All that shit. Like it's Literally it's, first in everything. It's There's a philosophy that says how good can we make our guys numerically? Um, and how often can we throw that against the weakness of a hitter? That's so doubling down on the strengths against the weaknesses against of the, the weaknesses. Of the yes, it's not one or the other. Yeah. Yes, you plug both holes, and they have to be very malleable to do that, right? You have they have to trust you. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to basically be a, uh, the other side of a joystick for a little while. But if they're again, if they're taught in a way where they know their own shit. Like they know themselves so well and they can make their own adjustments and then they can go, no, 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 I know better in this situation or I know how to handle myself psychologically, Mm -hmm. right? Or, um, you know, I walk, I just threw two bad pitches in a row, step off and reset. I understand the momentum of the game and I Mm -hmm. trust my pitching coach that he's done all the work behind the scenes with his whole team of people Mm -hmm. and all I have to do is be a fucking badass Mm -hmm. and throw the ball over the plate in in the place that they tell me to. Success. That's where that comes from. How much does your the way you communicate and speak and cue somebody matter to not make them become more rigid when you're trying to make a change? Good question. Because I feel like that's in your presentation of what you want them to do. That's how you speak to them to make them not have your cue, make them more rigid. So buy-in. You're talking about buy-in. I'm talking about buy-in, yeah, and just motor learning. Just making them not too... Well, motor learning's... Make them we, not too mechanical. Yeah, yeah. Make talk- them not too mechanical. Yeah, okay. Right? That's what okay. you're trying to get at? Yeah, I'm okay. saying how do like, you speak in, to- Like in here, for instance, like if I see somebody and I've cued them and I'm like, dude, you're just not moving. Like, right? I'm just like, be more athletic. And it, instantly, I'll see a difference. I'm like, just be more athletic. And then they're like, okay. And then I see a difference. So like in that sense, I guess. Yeah. All this blends together. So this is great. So I'm, I'm figuring out a way to blend this all together because it, it truly does. So I would say... So let's start with motor neurology and how this kind of works. Mm-hmm. Remember riding a bike when you were a little kid? Mm-hmm. Remember the day you learned to ride a bike? Any no, of you? Not at all. Really? A little, a little no. bit. A little bit. Okay. How'd it go? 
well, which the day with training wheels or the day without training wheels? All of them. Well, the, the day with training wheels didn't go terribly. The day without training wheels did not go great to start. <laughs> and then what happened? <laughs> I fell on my ass. Well, yeah. my and, and then side. what happened? And then eventually I did it. Yeah. And did it and did it and then I got it. How did you get it? Uh, you remember the, you remember the feeling of getting it? I remember the feeling. I don't remember how I got it. I just what was the feeling of getting it? I'm fucking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> did you think about how it happened? Or you were just like, this just happened? I feel like it was ju- this just happened. That's motor neurology. And the, the, we teach pictures the same way. But the difference is on a bike, it's, you're, it's necessary to learn to ride a bike because you're constrained by the bike, right? So you, you have to pedal. You have to stabilize. You have to steer. And that's it because the bike forces you to do that by how it's built. So you're repeating consistent reps mm-hmm. in the way that's forcing you to ride a bike. And your brain goes, okay, we've done this enough. Like, I got it from here. Or we're good. And then everyone learns to ride a bike and never has to learn, relearn it. Like, I just rode a bike for the first time in like 10 years, like three days ago. Like a decade. And I literally, giving this example countless of countless times, Right, like in my head, going like this is unbelievable. Like, I don't have to think about this at all. Your brain just knows how to do it because it's subconscious and it's a, it's a, it's a pattern and it's installed in your brain. And that feeling of, okay, I've got this now, is your subconscious and your wiring going. It's installing a new program and it's done, and you don't have to think about it. But you got, it's you, as a result of being conscious, right, and being conscious for a while. Well, or no, yeah, you have to think about it for sure. But here's the trick to this is in terms of being conscious is if you can make it subconscious it doesn't matter whether you're thinking about it or not you're still like building those synapses in the neuron yes pitching is too complex meaning there's so many moving parts there's not enough constraints you're moving down a mound you can move however you want to all the time and that's how bad habits are made in almost everybody so we constrain guys and here's what we mean. So let's say, for example, so a common thing that we do is shorten guys' strides. Done it a million times. It's like, like there's a there's an overstriding epidemic, and it goes back to that for, that that frame that I told you guys about, where their trunk is back rotationally when they block. Mm-hmm. Right, that's the key from everything. And so many times when guys overstride, every time a guy overstrides, I would argue they open up a window for their trunk to leak rotationally. So it moves rotationally before they're blocking, which is like the key of like everything, right? So when I, as soon as I see that, I go, let's shave that back. Let's shave the stride back. So you, their trunk's moving towards home plate before they're blocking, or is that? Their trunk is turning towards, towards home plate, plate. Yes. before they're blocking. Yes, right. Okay. So it starts to turn beforehand. If you, can, if you can land and block everything before the trunk starts to turn, you're golden. Golden is that like hip shoulder separation? What That's where hip shoulder about? separation comes from. So we don't, I don't, we and I don't teach hip shoulder separation. We teach getting down on time before you rotate, so that hip shoulder separation happens underneath you. So it, quickly, here's how that basically how this kind of works. Like if you, I think maybe this is not true, but I think a lot of people think about hip shoulder separation. Like, can I turn my hips before the rest of my body? Yeah which is almost impossible to do. Like it happens by you landing closed and landing closed. The femur comes back into the body and the pelvis Mm -hmm. goes 
and just shoots forward. Like it's like it's like you being in a car and slamming on the brakes and your body flying forward. It's momentum and deceleration. And if that happens when the shoulders are closed, the pelvis goes underneath the rest of the body, hip shoulder separation, bang. And all of a sudden an elastic effect happens and you wind the trunk and then you unwind the trunk and it goes straight into the arm and it's fucking magic. It's absolutely magic. We had a, Mike Massey, um, the kid that he, uh, he came in the LSU game, threw in extra innings. He transferred from, from Tulane. I'm going to get the stats wrong, so don't quote me on the stats, but he basically, um, he doubled his amount of strikeouts in half the amount of innings. Wow. And this, the velocity story behind him is, um, we were, we were, we took a bunch of data. We took a, we took a look at a lot of video and I felt like he moved his body exceptionally well, but I felt like because he overstrided the work that his body did to create the rotational effect that was really good was lost, right? So he he turned everything before he landed. And so I was like, dude, let's just let's just shorten his stride. Like let's just sh- shave everything back. Like let's just catch the rotation that he's creating and see what happens. And his first outing, he was ninety, he's ninety nine two to that point. It's like eighty nine ninety two, something in that range. His very first outing, which was like 10 days later after that decision he was 94 to 96. jeez absolutely immediately like you you can't get velocity any faster than that and it's just because we caught the energy that his body was already creating and we sent it back into his arm so it's it's all about the timing of that that step there was no force production there was no there was no heavy lifting. It was just like, you already do so much so well. Let's just shave you back and catch all that shit. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously, like, you know, the stats don't just, like, come from that. There's a lot of you know, pitching development and mindset and psychological, all that shit. It, there were specific things that we tweaked in his ball flight data or found in his ball flight data that said, if he throws this over the plate in this area, he's going to be unhittable. Mm-hmm. So you combine that that psychological effect with with getting more energy into his arm and you've really got something but the way that we did that to bring it back to the bike analogy is if i were if i were to say hey i want to shorten your stride right let's say it's the same situation right and i go like let's shorten your stride by three inches i think if you shorten your stride by three inches you can get it you can get the 94 96 really easily same situation then i just told you that and you just tried it You'd never do it. It'd be like six inches shorter, three inches shorter, five inches shorter, no inches shorter, right? And you'd be like, every rep would be completely fucking different than Mm -hmm. the last one. And you wouldn't create the consistency in repetitions to actually make a neurological change in how you're moving. But if I throw, if I measure out where you, where I want you to be, and I throw a PVC pipe or a broomstick in front of you at that length where you have no choice but to land in front of it or break your ankle. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're going to land in front of that fucking thing. You're definitely going to Every land in front of it. single time. And that's why in 10 days he goes from 90, to 94, 96. Because, and, and then it sticks. And that's the key is it sticks. Like you forget about riding the bike and you just start racing your buddies around the neighborhood on your bike because you know how to ride it. Is it yeah. easier to learn when you use an external cue like that, like with the pipe, than saying internal no cues? 
It's no thinking. Right? Well, I, I, I was thinking like when he said something, I don't remember exactly what you said, but it reminded me of like when we have somebody deadlifting and we're giving them a hundred different cues. And then eventually, subconsciously, like they brace their core without us having to tell them. They have their shoulders back without having to tell them. They have everything engaged. And now all of a sudden, they went from being a 135 deadlifter to a 275 deadlifter in two weeks. And you're like, you did not gain 140 pounds on your deadlift. How did that happen? You just learned how to like position your body more efficiently and put force into the ground better. And But the weight is the constraint. Correct. Because if you do it wrong, you hurt yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you, if, but it comes with the education first. It comes with... How should I? How should I do this? Right. Mm-hmm. What does it look like? And then you're and you're going like, what does it feel like? And mm-hmm. then combining those two together. That's, exactly. That's where the magic really. Right. Like when you were talking about it, it was like me think I was thinking of like, okay, in here, how do I? Because the same thing I do with a kid in here is if I can't, if I'm sitting there having a hard time getting a kid to feel something the way or do something the way I want them to do it, I try to relate it back to something they know. Yeah. And that's for me. It's like, okay, how can I relate this to? Weightlifting. Or you're going to use a constraint, like we may squat to a box, use mats to elevate a deadlift. deadlift. Like you're going to use an external it's constraint. A perfect constraint. Like, yeah. hey, go to this height. Go to when you feel this on your grass and yeah. then come back. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. And what happens, this is the magic, is what happens is they feel that. Like you tell them to do that and they're like, okay, I'll just like yeah. follow directions. Yep. Right. And then they feel it and they That's go, exactly oh, what happened. shit. The, that exact. Oh yeah, all right. <laughs> and then they're like, "Oh yeah. shit!" Yeah, like, that exact it. thing is has. And then you every go, day. "Hey, like, do that again. Feel, feel that again. Face, chase that feeling." Mm-hmm. The 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 best part of motor neurology is when you connect their subjective subjectivity to their objectivity. Mm-hmm. Blend those things together. That's where magic happens. Mm-hmm. I yeah, it. I feel like you'll hear me like I'll lock in my head. I'm locking in somebody. I'm solidifying that learning. When I'll say, okay, say I cue them on their first set of deadlifts. Maybe I add mats. I give them a little checklist to do, whether it's like, okay, you know you're going to nod your chin down. You're going to brace your core. You're going to squeeze behind your armpits. And then they do their set. Then their next set, I'll say, hey, why don't you get set up in position? You tell mm-hmm. me when you feel like you're in the right spot. All right, I have, go, a, question. Ba, 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 I have a question for you guys. So where do you guys produce the most force? Where do you focus on producing the most force with the guys? In terms of exercise selection, or in terms of in terms of pitching, the most force the muscles. Tr- like, where do you where, like? How do you train guys to produce the most force? Like, what's your philosophy? That's a better question. For yeah, uh, learning to put force into the ground. Yes, mm-hmm. learning to put Why? force into the ground because in pitching, it's a. I mean, it's about you. Like you said, that lead leg has to get down. The trail hip has to tell it what to do, and they got to be able to accept force and generate force. I think that's any sport, though. I yeah, don't think it's just baseball. But let's just say we live on planet Earth. That's my point. Right. You know, like when I think so, of lacrosse, you know, it's like the same. same thing. So it's force into the ground. You can do that through an external view, a cue of like putting force down into the floor and then doing that with like, are you feeling your glute? Are you feeling your hamstring work? Mm-hmm. You, and then, yeah, it's just choosing your exercises that correlate to pitching. So like oh, when I go heavier in load, we'll do a trap or a deadlift. If we want to be single leg, we'll do a reverse lunge. We'll do a Bulgarian split squat. If we want to be frontal plane, we'll do a lateral lunge. Mm-hmm. But regard- What makes you want to be one way or, the, or over another? I think you get... Are your training athletes the same? Saying they're the same? Are you training them the same? No. 
It's going to depend on, I think we want to build a certain degree of bilateral strength because you're going to have heavier loads. It's going to force more adaptations in terms of mass. And Is it lateral linearly or rotationally? I think we're starting sagittal plane. Mm -hmm. We're learning to control the core and the pelvis in the sagittal plane mm -hmm. first. Yeah. And then once I know that you have sagittal plane control, yeah. then we can move frontal plane yeah. and then we can move transverse plane after that. Which may mean like you're working all of them at once. Yeah. But like my prior if if you can't control extension in the sagittal plane, you're probably gonna have a hard time in the frontal plane and a hard time in the transverse plane. Because Do you it's agree? never received that kind of energy before. Yeah, mm -hmm. you're leaking because you're extending, you're not yeah. you don't have your pelvis yeah. underneath you. I, I want people to think about pitching like a whip. Whereas the bottom of the whip provides the power mm -hmm. and the top of the whip provides the deceleration. So can I provide rotational power from the bottom? And can my arm receive that energy and safely transfer it without me hurting myself? Mm -hmm. That's where baseball needs to head. Yeah. In general. Mm -hmm. And I think it is. You, yeah. know, you know what's interesting? It's like there's a, there's a group <laughs> evolution happening. You see like how many... You watch a big league game, and I know you don't watch baseball. Do you watch baseball? I watch a lot of baseball. Okay, great. How many times do you see a guy coming mid to high nineties out of the Dude, bullpen? Every it's fucking, fucking every time. Every every guy <laughs> in the Yankees bullpen throws ninety. It's every time. Every it's guy. every time. It, that, that, I would hate to be a hitter. They were <laughs> clearly so information. Yeah, I'm in a position where information, like I know, information's at a at a uh, forefront. Like it's like it's mm -hmm. palpable. Like you can get any information you desire, if you ask. But there, but people, I I don't know that it's information that's causing the evolution. Like people are taking the experience that they feel around them. Like everyone has to throw hard to get at high level division one baseball and then you have to throw hard to get it into professional baseball or drafted or whatever and they just learn how to do it like subconsciously by watching everyone else do it it's so fucking interesting to me that's how my i have a younger brother who's 17 and that's how he learned how to hit and play baseball yeah he would just watch other because he's left-handed yeah. nobody else is left but that's how we used to do it yeah we didn't have just, lessons we didn't that's have how, that's how people learn mm -hmm. right like you all right so you have a little girl right yeah, she now, mimics right? she, she mimics man you open you open your mouth and you fucking yeah. take a bite of the baby food which I is fucking my, goddamn terrible <laughs> i stick i stick my tongue out i laugh and she does I, the same shit mm -hmm. right and she copies you mm -hmm. i think that's ha that's happening on a group level in baseball as a whole there's a stephen kotler is really good if you want to read a good book Stephen Kotler, uh, I think it's called Catching Fire, and it's a, oh sorry, it's, and it's about it's about flow state, it's about group flow state, it's about group evolution, and he talks about how he he watched he covered snowboarders I think as a media person, and then he watched them, and then he took like a break and he watched them get better like four years later and it's like what the hell is happening and it's because each one keeps upping the other one mm -hmm. and they keep following each and that's what's happening in pitching is they keep, but it's happening in velocity so, and i find that really interesting and I, I think there's a a ceiling on that and b 
I think there's something to learn from what's happening that can be teachable for the people that aren't just naturally athletically gifted enough to actually right. to just throw, throw 95. Okay. Because yes. they, you're because saying the average velocity of a 16, 17, 18 year old is higher now than it was when you played. That's probably, I'm saying big leagues and college, but that's probably true. Yeah. That's higher. probably true. Well, it, yeah. Cause it, how could it not be? Right. It, it's gotta be uh, every I'm not a, a one of my favorite parts of my job is I don't have to recruit. I love it. <laughs> like I just don't have to recruit, right? And it, nor do I want to. Um, however, in terms of like when we have a recruit or when we have a transfer portal piece that we think could fit into what we're doing, um, you know, I look at like how could we make this guy better, right? Like that's it's basically my whole job is like what what would what would push this guy in the direction of being his best, the best version of himself. And I think a lot of it comes down to velocity. It does. What's the potential for velocity? Yeah, it's the energy. Like, like we're going to talk deception. So everything's deception, right? All the time. How, how does this pitch, um, fool a hitter into thinking he can hit it, but he can't. That's deception mm-hmm. <laughs> in a right. nutshell. Velocity is you shave the amount of time that he has to make a decision whether he can hit it or not. Yeah. Which sounds That's terrible. That's the definition of deception. Like Definition of you have not to wanting throw, to be a hitter. You <laughs> have to throw harder to be deceptive. You do. Yeah. No, you don't, ha- you don't have to. But it's, it's a really good way to do so. Yes. Like could like uh, Greg Maddox, Jamie Moyer play in today's MLB or no? They would get hit around. Jamie Moyer probably no, would get they, hit around. Well, they would. Okay. Interesting. I don't know that they would be hit around, but they would be forced to throw their shit in the zone more often because the strike zone is different. And that changes everything. Yeah. <laughs> that changes everything. Well, Jamie Moyer has given up the most home runs ever. So I think he would probably still get right. rocked. Listen, how how is, old was he? 52? Dude, he was like 75 years old when he retired. <laughs> like, he's like 122. He's my grandpa. Yeah. Like, he's my grandfather's grandpa. Like, <laughs> yeah, listen, I'm just thinking of my 90s guys who, like, didn't throw hard and had long careers and had all-star yeah. careers. I mean, a- Andy, Pet- Andy Pettit's another one, you know? But hitters aren't armed with it. It's information. Mm-hmm. What's working at Wake? Culture, information. Those two things. It's well, how the team jives with each other, and it's how well the, we're, we're using information. The deception thing that you're talking about, too, is, like, part of the reason why you know going back to the guinness book of world records answer nestor cortez <laughs> he, from the beginning he is deceiving in different ways than other guys are yes right? because he doesn't throw 99 like jay what's the average fastball now in the mlb versus uh, it's got to be 90. first take a guess what do you got do you know average now or i think i do but i'm not average positive. right now yeah versus when what year 96 okay Average right now, I would say anywhere between ninety four and, and two thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was gonna say right now it's got to be the average ninety ninety six, and that's not, not that high. I was gonna go ninety. Feels that high. I was gonna go ninety five, but that's because every guy in the Yankees bullpen throws ninety nine. Um, <laughs> you know what's interesting is part of this is like how they tag pitches, and the computer automatically if they throw a pitch. Like I watched Clevenger pitch, and he's like, "Josh Donaldson like, throws an eighty-five mile an hour cutter. He doesn't throw a fucking." Cut. And it, that waters <laughs> down the fucking. Yeah. It yeah. does. So That's I was true. okay. So That's the nine, 95, 94, and then in the ninety-six it was probably like ninety-one. You got a good point though. Oh fuck! Yeah, you got to. Yeah, you have to. Ninety-five point three. Okay. Okay. Good guess. Right now. Yeah. What do you got? 
I'm not a good guess. Yeah, I would say in the mid '90s somewhere. I'll say not. I'll say 96.2. Jeremy got. Well, I can't guess since I'm looking at the notes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to say 94.3. That's my guess. Jay. 93.9. Oh, wow. Ooh, wow. Okay. All right, one dollar, Bob. One dollar. Yeah, so now we're, are you going to look at 96 right now? Look at 98 um, because that's the greatest will, year of the I Yankees. I will look. Yeah, um, let's look at 96. That's yeah, 93.9, good. that's from StatCast, which obviously wasn't around, so we'll yeah. just see what they have. How long do you guys go? Because I could do this all night. I don't know. We just, just go good. until it kind of feels like it's done. Yeah, perfect, so we could just do this for forever. Yeah, we're good. You guys look this up. I'm going to... You so can, you, you I got to pee. pee. Let's do a pee break. Pee break really break. quick. Jordan, Half time. That. Yeah, we're back. We're going to go till fucking midnight right now. <laughs> go till whenevs. Jay, you couldn't find the 90s fastball information. No, no. That it, was a 96? Hole of... You couldn't find a 90, 96 average fastball? Funny. You know why? Because they, they started, didn't have it. Yeah, they started going into details about where the pitch speed is measured out of the pitcher's hand versus oh, 50 God. feet away versus where it crosses the plate. <laughs> I, what does that say? I stopped. I'm done. Don't ask me any more questions. Unless it's about, you know, oh, I might have something here. NHL hits. Or... Yeah, <laughs> this isn't real. This isn't a real website. It's not misinformation. <laughs> I was like, I don't want it. I don't want that yeah. one. Um, okay, so let's just so we just stay up with pitching. Yeah, let's do it. All right. I mean, a prevalent injury is a UCL tear or Ooh, Tommy yeah. John, right? B- big topic. Big big yeah. topic. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you seeing mechanically? Is there a common thing mechanically where you see it and you go this load on your UCL yeah. is higher than it should be. You know, it, I thought so. Not, I'm not so sure now. I'm not so sure. So are we going to use uh, Teddy McGraw? I mean, I know he example. was he was your big guy this year. And yeah. I mean, I've seen so many over the years. So Alright, so let's talk about Teddy for a minute before we hop into UCLs. So, mm-hmm. well, it's going to bridge into UCLs. Teddy is the single best pitcher I've ever watched. Hands down. Hands down. I watched Paul Skeens pitch from the dugout. And Paul Skeens felt like uh, perfect mechanics and in terms of power. Uh, and he, he, he also felt like, and this is the point, he also felt like his mass was enough to handle the amount of force that he was generating. Right. And Teddy's Teddy's like a thick dude. Like he's like he's one of those rotational athletes I talked about before where he was like he he's a multi he's a multi sport athlete. Um but his rotational ability is like superb. Superb. He's a guaranteed big leader if he stays healthy past this. Like he's like he's his ability is exceptional. Like top one percent of the human race, um, and it just it sheds so much light on what's happening, or maybe what's not happening. And this is more interesting because it's it, all of these are ideas, so don't take these for um, not, for a quote. They're not cemented into uh, time. There's the scientific reasoning behind them is evolving. <laughs> perfectly said. I <laughs> I think. How many shoulder injuries do you hear about anymore? Shoulder? Not yeah. a ton. Not, not a very ton. many. No. They're, they're the only one I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah, knock on wood. Like for we the goddamn Yankees. We, yeah, right. Yeah, it's yeah. separate. But you, right. okay. <laughs> in, in here, and since I've been doing this in twenty in, since 2011, you don't see, you barely see any rotator cuffs. Why you, is that? You don't see labrums that often. 
Unless Why? it's traumatic from diving. Yeah, I was going to say, the only time we see a shoulder is yeah. like a diving injury. Why? It's a good question. Wait, I mean, wait, 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 wait. Really? For what? Diving? Well, I'm saying over the labrum. You see like an outstretched arm diving, into like a base. Swimming? Diving? No, no, no like diving, diving for a play. Like diving for a play. Like you, see a tra- <laughs> you see a traumatic labrum. Like a traumatic injury, <laughs> not like an overuse, overuse on that. My bad, okay. But, <laughs> not, not, but, <laughs> not, not, I was not, like in Lake George. I'm in Lake George mode. <laughs> <laughs> Not swimming and diving, okay? That's hilarious. All right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what? Diving back to first base. Right. Yeah. Diving, for, diving a ball for a ball in the outfield. outfield. No doubt. But why you do, why you don't see shoulders and you see it? They're talking pitching. Because I feel like we used to see shoulders all the time. Pitching? All the time. Why? Yeah. Why do they not happen all that often anymore? All right. I don't know. Is a lot of time spent around the shoulder doing arm care there, yeah. and, and we're neglecting the tissues around the yeah. elbow. What is every we single, talked about this recently? Actually. What does every player have in their bag? Yeah, J band. All of them. And we're doing a lot of external rotations, abductions, yeah. ERs. We have figured out what causes the wise. shoulder to de- to decelerate. We right. figured out the job of the shoulder is after release to slow the arm down. So that it doesn't hurt itself. Yeah, and we and train. We train, them. we train the cuff to do that job. What do we do for the elbow? We don't do that much. Jack fucking shit. Right. We do jack fucking shit for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's the problem. Is now you could look at it two ways. You could look at it like, well, guys are just throwing too hard. They're throwing so hard, right? Like we're putting so much energy into it in their arms, and I think that's honestly what happened with Teddy McGraw. But you are, but the tissue. I don't know that, but but the tissues have to be able to uh, tolerate those forces. Yeah, they have to now. The tissue, the problem with the tissue is the ligament. So Correct. how do you grow a ligament, right? Correct. Yeah, I, I mean, know. yeah, I'm not. It's but different I'm just... with the shoulder because it's all muscle. Correct. The ligament's different in that it's bone to bone. Now, what's what's interesting about the ligament? I think again, all theoretical. I'm just talking on experience and what I think. But um, the ligament is surrounded by muscle. Have you guys, mm-hmm. you heard of flex pro grip? You ever seen that? It sounds very familiar. Look it up. Because you, you're not... It's interesting. It, it, it sounds like. very familiar. It is... So basically, what it goes over your hand, and they put um, loopholes around your fingers this, with... This thing? Yes. Looks, looks, like, like, a, looks, like, a, looks like a robotic hand. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And they put... Um, so you put your fingers in those holes, and it's, it's, it's attached to carbon fiber... Um, poles on each finger so each finger is to hold attached to a carbon fiber pole and what it does is it connects to your phone um and it shows you the rate of force that you're providing on each finger as it moves this is what it looks like mike and and each finger is like it's attached to its own muscle i find this fascinating yes this is the first company of its kind to do something like this and we just invested in them. We're just we're putting them on, on each picture. And it, their whole business model is two things. One, can we insulate the forearm? Our coaching, our pitching coach used that word, and I love that word because it's like, how can we, how can we build a layer of protection within the forearm mm-hmm. uh, to protect the UCL from being torn? And two, uh, they they train the rate of force development. So it's actually farther than. They've taken this farther than strengthening the forearm. They've taken it to how do we make how do we make pitches better? So like if you're let's say you're an exceptional supinator, right? Mm-hmm. You so you throw great breaking balls like all the time, great cutters, whatever, sliders, whatever. And you suck at pronation. 
their one of their theories is uh, your muscles are not strong enough to um, allow you to pronate properly. And I find that fascinating in the reverse of, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've, uh, we've begun putting our guys on this device in spin rates up, breaking balls better. And, and, and the feedback from the guys is this feels really good. Yeah. I, and, and, and this is it's just not talked about. It's just like, it's not. Uh, yeah. Because we had this conversation today, Paul, or earlier this week, which I like that we're talking about it. Okay, in our programs, we will program on certain days just to make sure we get all of this work in. You're gonna have certain days that are gonna be more scapula-based exercises, so mid-trap, low-trap. You're gonna have days that are gonna be more cuff, so decelerating, external rotation, internal rotation. And yeah, we brought up the other day, that like, why don't we add in forearm priorities? This actually started because of a lacrosse player. Because of a lacrosse player. Um, just what, need, what like, happened? They just, just they just needed to strengthen their forearms and stuff, and I was like, why don't we to do to hold down on the stick? Just be, to be, no, because <laughs> with the like a lot of the ro- there's a lot of rotation through the oh, wrist. They're cradling all cradling. the time. Yeah, that's the word. That's cradling. so fascinating. Yeah, yeah, so you don't like, have the valve. Wow. You don't have the valve. You don't, you don't, you don't realize like you it until uh, the difference is it's one. It's one movement it's the, by all the forearm muscles, and then it's also this motion. Yeah, right. in baseball, it's each individual finger. Right, so like fascinating. It was, it was, it started with that, but then it transitioned into us like talking more about baseball. Like, yeah, because why don't you have an ulnar and radial deviation day? Why don't you have pronation and supination? That's it like what just they do. makes That's makes what sense. Doing. Which is, in fact, yeah. I would I would highly suggest you guys keep a couple here. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's 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 more weight room than it is pitching. To be just honest to, with to you, to plug it's into a weight room program, muscles. it's just mm-hmm. tinier muscles. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think, I think, um, uh, this also says each protocol will take roughly five to 12 minutes to complete. It says, it says, that's true. It which says, which is like nothing, is. which is literally it's fucking nothing. nothing. And it, you know, I've tried it. I've done it a lot. It feels, uh, like I'm calling on muscles that have not been used. That's what it feels like. Mm-hmm. If, if that's not telling, yeah, I don't know what it is. Like, it's funny how that got missed or you know like totally I missed. Do you know do you know Mike Reinold? He's a Boston guy. He was the Sox PTAT. He owns this gym champion uh performance and physical therapy in Boston. I, I think I But I, I worked know. with yeah. him for a little bit and he's been like on all of this for years, I feel like. But it like makes sense. Like if you pull your hamstring, you're gonna work your hamstrings. If you tore your labrum in your shoulder, you're gonna work your cuff to strengthen around it. Like why not the tissues around yeah. your elbow? How did how we did that get missed? We just touch them. We just totally miss them. Right. I think that's where. Um, I think it sometimes too. It, it's you get overly cautious about the elbow, so then it's an avoidance of it too. Yes. Mm. Like you mm-hmm. avoid it. You avoid doing a a Zotman curl, a dumb a dumbbell hammer curl that is going to strengthen the elbow. Strengthen the fuck and out of it. Yeah. You're like, I'm going to avoid that because they're doing so much throwing. Well. Maybe they need to do some of it. It's just how do we implement it and get yeah. it so it's not going to be What's hard in the weight room, Mike, is when guys are – it depends how much they're playing. But guys that are in season for so long, they play spring ball, they play summer ball, they play fall ball. So they're it's in, a lot of throws. It's mm-hmm. a lot of throws. So you have to take those variables into consideration in the yeah. weight room because you have to understand the wear and tear and the 
repetitive yeah. movements on their body and not feed into that. And how honest are those kids being about what they're doing outside? That's of what's here. hard. So, that's so, what's so, hard you know. now is all the external variables with single sport and like baseball playing. I, I flat out will ask kids when they when I ask them something, I'm like, "You lying to me?" I'm like, "Would you lie to me right now?" And then and like some kids will be like, oh, "Fuck." That's a good question because kids don't mean to lie; they no. mean to protect. Yes. Yeah. And you ask, you're like, hey, it's safe here. You can tell me. Yeah. And they tell you. Because, like, I want to know. I want to know, like, is something you know? bothering you? Because yeah. if it is, I want to be able to make it so it doesn't bother yeah. you. Yeah. You know? So the elbow is really interesting. Here's here's what I think is happening with the elbow. On a, I'll go on a public scale and on a private scale. Mm-hmm. So public scale, the public has gone... Tommy John surgery is at an all-time high. Ligaments are being torn left and right. Mm-hmm. It's true. Um, but the but the the fix is just like, hey, just throw less. That's the fix. Throw less. We're gonna put a cap on how many pitches you can throw as a toddler, as a teenager, how many days you can throw in a row, and all of that I think is really well intended. I think it's really like, hey, let's protect our our young athletes from having a serious injury and i'll add to this like i've i've watched i watched three guys go through this in the last year and it's serious and it's scary i watched it happen in real time i i watched them throw pitches and go oh shit something's wrong on one pitch and it's not fun it's horrible like and then on this on the flip side i've watched guys in tears going you know, I've I've worked for this chance to have this season with my team, and now I don't get to have this because my body did not hold up, and that's a that's a horrible thing. Like it's just mm-hmm. a, it's a very serious thing, and it scares me. Um, but I've also watched the public go, well, we know this is a problem. Let's just put a bandaid on it in the form of let's have them throw less, and I don't think that's the case. I don't think it's a full story i think it's half the story and and i also don't think that and this is a bigger discussion but i don't think the medical side is bridged with the baseball side and it might be be because of language it might be because of knowledge you're saying orthopedics yeah Yeah. like i've I've watched a lot of throwing programs back from tj Mm -hmm. i've catered kids back from tj um, alongside with our, our athletic trainers who are just phenomenal, you know, just phenomenal, like so good. Um, and I've thought to myself, this, this is an educated guess. This doesn't quite make sense. And the, the answer is it doesn't make quite, it doesn't quite make sense because we don't bridge the gap between health and baseball as well as we could. Mm-hmm. We, we assume uh, and we plug and we, we don't actually do the research to say, Hey, this would make a huge difference if we did, if we structured it this way, um, this is the amount of throwing they should do right. Based on evidence we go, well, this is, this is what I think should happen. So we, we program that. And, um, I actually, a big project of mine is figuring out that how, how can we, how can we structure things? Really interesting. Like a lot, the, like a lot the, of tech involved. Like the Tommy John coming back from that, like the throwing yeah. program, that kind of stuff. Well, a what causes it? 
Mm-hmm. B, how do we climb back from it? Yeah. Um, but- and the volume is a really big discussion because it's like, how much should I throw in a certain amount of time? Like, how much can my elbow handle? But we also don't strengthen the elbow, which I, f- I find really interesting. So I, I'll tell you guys our solution. Like, our solution is we, we found a tech company called Nextiles. Heard of it? Mm-mm. Okay. So Nextiles is they make compression fabric with the technology to connect to your phone woven onto the elbow in the comp- in the compression sleeve. Amazing. So it's not like Incredible. you put something into the sleeve to like... There's a battery pack, mm-hmm. but the, the copper wiring, I might get this wrong, but the copper wiring is woven into the fabric of the compression sleeve. And it reads everything that's happening in the elbow in real time. Whereas like, and I get this question a lot, like what is the difference between that and MODIS? And mm-hmm. MODIS is a chip that gives you, here you go, this is what you should pay attention to. Right. And the Nextile sleeve reads the raw data of every throw that you make and as you, long as you, you wear it. And you interpret that data. And then we go, okay, but what's really important from mm-hmm. this abundance of, inf- of information? Yeah, right. I love that. But there's so many variables in a return from TJ. There is, can I have an idea as to why this tissue took on too much load and couldn't withstand it? Yep. Was it mechanical? Was it strength? Was it mobility? Was it, it's probably a, a mixture of all those I think things. it's all of it. It's all of it. And then it's like, okay, we have the surgery. Now it's just going to take X amount of time for that tissue yeah. to heal, for that tendon or they put in when to become was, a ligament. Yeah. When he was talking about the throwing programs too, like, I think of when we have somebody come from an Ahmad program, right? And the difference in that, Chris from, yeah, yeah, from somebody else that comes from just a random person or some other, you know, maybe somebody from up here, whatever. It's a, a drastic difference. Just in, the detail and the, the detail program. and the little things that they have to do. All right, so let's take this example. We'll use both of us. You guys have a science to how you're strengthening, guys. Mm-hmm. Agree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Someone who is less experienced, <laughs> less intentional, mm-hmm. is going to do a better or worse job, a more worse. more than likely. More than likely, a worse job. A mm-hmm. worse job, right? My position, same exact thing. Someone who doesn't know the information, someone who thinks old school, like, I've been passed this down, this is what you should do. Mm-hmm. My realization is when I realize that doctors are the same way. Mm-hmm. Where they go, I've done X amount of surgeries. I've followed up with X amount of clients. This mm-hmm. is what works. This is my process. They're all on a spectrum of how good to bad they are. For sure. I saw that because I worked in Boston for six and a half years. I love that city, by the way. Great. I love, I love it. it. If, if we didn't want to do... about the, about the sports teams. <laughs> if we Listen, we lived by Fenway. We would walk to Fenway. Are you a Giants fan too? No, I'm not. <laughs> Fuck the Giants. It's a Cowboys. I'm a Cowboys fan. fan. What? Yeah. <laughs> Who is this guy? Who are you, man? That's I'm a, I'm unacceptable. A 90s, I'm a '90s fan, bro. <laughs> but uh, okay, there was a way better. I like that. You're a fan of a decade. I'm a '90s fan, man. You're Bulls, Cow- you're Cowboys, Cowboys, Bulls, Yankees. Yankees. Yeah, I'm a huge Maxbox Twenty guy, regardless <laughs> no, not, of what team I root not, for. My sister's definitely <laughs> a Maxbox Twenty. The Google Dolls, the loves Rob Thomas. I love it. Yeah, what's the Rob Thomas and Santana song? Uh, fucking, oh, uh, smooth. I love it's smooth. that song. It's I be- fucking love that. Oh. song. It's a great song. We were. It's funny because I was literally at my family barbecue talking about the song. This is such Carlos Santana. Santana. 
Mike, get this. My stepdad's first concert he ever went to. Santana? Carlos Santana. That's great. I'm like, that's a great first concert. It was all downhill from there. Yeah! (laughs) Wow! Fantastic. Bro, that was a put-back dunk right there. (laughs) That was a Blake Griffin right there. Yeah, that's a great song. Splice out a little bit. Yeah, we can can jam out to that. Yeah, 90s music was great. It's great. Carlos Santana. Best era so far. Right? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. 90s, what are you guys into right now? 90s and early 2000s is um, my favorite. Like music? Yeah. Uh, we're both hip-hop guys. Yep. Hip-hop if, mostly, but I listen to everything. So Ar- Artists? Artists. Okay, if we go like now, just people will judge me. and Jordan will say I'm a little fucker, but like I'll do Drake. <laughs> we do the new Young Thug Can album. Can you give a search and just try for me? Oh, I don't like Search and Destroy. What are you talking about? No, Nick, 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 do it for me. Do it for me. <laughs> there's, a, there's a kid in here who loves this song. You might have to cut yeah. out what I just said because I said his no, first name. No, but we're a lot of 90s wait, rap. Wait, wait, why don't you like it? We were talking about this. Why don't you like uh, I like Petty, Drake with bars. So I like his like timestamp songs. or like. I like Tuscan Leather, So you don't Drake. like this be Tuscan because Leather, it's too popular? Yeah, I guess it's just like it's not my favorite. My, my guy's Jake. Like Search Drake. and Rescue? Yeah. Search and destroy. Search, search and rescue. rescue. Search and no, rescue. Search and rescue. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah, you said. Ser- yeah. I think you might have said search. Oh, and destroy. I might have. I might have. Sorry. Because Drake's destroying. Yeah, Jordan's gonna hate this. Yeah, Jordan's right, gonna. So listen to. The- I need someone to be patient. Such a vibe, though. It is yeah. a vibe. Yeah. I mean, I don't not like it. I think that I mean it's a vibe. I mean, part, yeah, it's a vibe. Part of Drake being, part of Drake being so good is that he has songs for whatever like mood you're in or vibe you want to feel, yes, or energy that you have. Yeah, Mike's so, vibing right now. So <laughs> two reasons. Like one, I've never liked Drake until recently. Okay, because I felt like he was too trendy. Yeah. I don't like He's, things that are trendy because people that's people fair. just buy into that's things I, that other people it's like. It's also like. part of the reason why I'm a huge J. Cole fan. Okay. I'm a huge J. Cole fan. Okay. Because he's not trendy. Yes. because He's just he's like, I'm going to do what direction. the fuck I want. Drake fits into no genre. Nope. That, he fits into many He fits into many genres, but no genres at the same exact fucking time. Mm-hmm. Which is I great. I love that. Yeah, I, love that, I do right? love that about him. And that song, so also, it is very biased, but every I.O. that song would play... <laughs> And I'm throwing with our closer, mm-hmm. Cam Manassi, every time that song plays. And he throws fucking 100. <laughs> You're like, this is fucking sweet. And I'm like, I need to lock in. And that song locks me the yeah, fuck but this in. This is why music is so good, though, because we tie it to moments well, and we tie, tie it to, to emotion. That's the point. That's mm-hmm. the point. Favorite artist. Go. Favorite Ever or, artist? Or right Period. now. Period. Fuck. Oh, both. Let's go both. Ever and right now. That's a great question. I'll go first addition. and I'm going to give you two. Favorite artist ever? Jay-Z. Wow. I, I got to go with Jay-Z. Oh, really good. Really I got to go why? with Jay-Z. You got to go with why? Um, because I could throw on Reasonable Doubt. I could throw on any Blueprint. I could throw on the Black Album. I could throw on – I just name an album, and I can listen to it front front to back. Because he's a goddamn artist. Yeah. Yeah. Right now, J. Cole. Uh, cool. Yeah. I'm he's such a – Jay-Z. Yeah. Right, he's yeah. the modern Jay. He's the Garrett Cole to Roger Clemens of this conversation. My my, my thing that I've always said is Drake is the mo- Drake is the modern Little Wayne. Jay Cole's the modern Jay Z, and Kendrick's the modern. Nas. That's so good, so good. Though that's how I've 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 div- divvied up those three. What do you got, Mike? I'm such a hip hop fan. 
I'll do anything really except for country. But I would say Little Wayne. Like when I was Little really when I was really into it, this was a little, that's this what was, I was debating. This was like the blog era where like this guy was putting out so many songs, and I was kind of just. I was kind of just finding myself in terms of like I think who I am is I'm grit. Yeah. Mixtape wheezy man. Is I'm gritty, and and I have a good work ethic. And this motherfucker would just put out songs upon songs so every week. So he matches week. who you are in that moment. In that moment when yeah. I was like a 15, 16 year old kid, just like I gotta grind and work hard. And I was like, this dude is just putting out an incredible amount of quality songs. Mm-hmm. I kind of clicked in. And yeah. making other people's songs better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, He's a, that's an influence. Okay. Yeah. Definition yeah. of an influence. Yeah, he would just that, do these mixtapes. That's what my, my debate was between Jay Z and Lil Wayne on my favorite of all time. I love it. Well, yeah. how did you guys have this idea? Um, yeah, the podcast. I uh, hey, Jordan, yeah, how did you guys pauses? come up with this? It's so, pretty... I, okay. I because no one in the, to my knowledge, no one in the capital district does this. No, no one does this. So when I was in high school. Our dad turned us on to Howard Chatham. Stern, uh, and, pro- and probably from, probably back back. probably from the time I was oh, probably from the time I was sixteen through recently, every commute I did in Boston. I lived in Chatham when we first opened here, so I had a forty-five minute commute. Yep. I would do Howard, and then I flipped over to Rogan and other podcasts later I feel, on. I feel all of that in your style. And, um, I, I mean, yeah, those guys were, I guess, influential in how we do this and set yeah. up this and handle it. No doubt. Um, and I think I would just always think, like, I have so many cool conversations every day with people, people yeah. at, with different occupations and backgrounds and lives and stories. And I have these conversations for 12, 14 hours a day. And I was like, why not? Just record them. So good. And then I've always why? Because I enjoy them. I yeah. enjoy these conversations. Mm-hmm. And as we've grown and gotten busier, and life kind of moves faster, it's rare that I have pockets and time to really yeah. sit down and talk with somebody. If we check in, it's like, hey, like when we checked in on a a pitcher who we both know and work with, it's like, hey, what do we got to do? This, this, and that? Yeah, good. Okay, cool. It's and then it's Garrison. like... We're, Talk about Garrison. Yeah, or, or your cousin. It's like, you <laughs> know, it's cousin. like, it's like yeah, or here's what we got to do. And then we check in and we move on. It's yeah. like, we don't have the time to do this. And then it's fun as hell to do a project with Jordy because we would just like fuck around yeah. and do Jordan shit growing up. I mean... You know and, what you're doing. And for me, I can't, I remember I came back, so I tore my Achilles in October of 21. Oh, it's tough. Um, I came back and one of the first days I came back, Mike was like, dude, I'm thinking about doing a podcast. You want to do it? And immediately I, I pretty much said yes, because my, one of my best friends that I lived in the city with, we had talked about doing it and then things just never worked out. Where'd you live in the city? Uh, I lived in Ridgewood. So like border of Brooklyn and Queens. And then I was in the Upper East Side for uh, two years. Yeah. Um, favorite part of the city. What do you got? Let's go favorite city and then New York favorite part of the city. Like, what do you got? Like favorite city in New York or favorite, in or just States. in the United States? In general. Oh, well, that's in general. That's this has to be. What do you got? What do you got? I'm uh, not going first. Uh, Boston's my favorite city. I kind of so like nice. that was a big part of just me growing up. It was the first time I lived by myself. I had to pay all my bills. Sam and I just really solidified our relationship. I grew professionally. I fucking loved it. That's uh, awesome. Boston, my favorite city by far. New York City, I like never went that much. The north end of Boston is oh. fucking absolutely gorgeous i love I it. think great italian i food. think i would say new york because yeah. again living there and the experience of living there yeah. and all of the 
like literally having to just go through shit yeah. when you first move down there like holy like my, it's infinite yeah the three guys that moved down there we decided to move down there and in nine days we found an apartment and left wow yeah, yeah. new york city we just said we... fuck it let's do it favorite part of new york city yeah i really like i like brooklyn a lot i like brooklyn Why? a lot um I feel like Brooklyn is just more, it's just more like the neighborhood. You go in and you yeah. could talk to people and like you feel like you're from that area, even if you're not. You know, that that was that was why I loved Brooklyn so much. Like it you was just- You ever run into Spike Lee? Spike Lee? I never ran into Spike Lee, unfortunately. <laughs> I want to say, my, I, I, last time I was in New York was probably in like 2017, what? 16 at a conference. I don't go ever? much. Yeah, I don't go much. No, I've been multiple times, but that was like the I last time I went. Five years ago? Yeah. <laughs> and Holy I went shit, to. You gotta go, man. <laughs> no, because because when I went last time, it was my favorite time ever. It was in Yonkers, so okay. outside of the city. Mm -hmm. okay. But we took an Uber to Sue's Rendezvous. Yeah. Google it, Paul. Do you ever go? Uh, is this something I'm allowed to Google on your computer? <laughs> yeah, sure. The guy with the computer. Bro, um, we already searched Mookie Betts fucking jerking off. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, but I didn't search it's that. It's free reign. It's Mookie Betts celebration. We've Paul, hit I, the ceiling. I have All to, you can do is go down from there. Sue's Rendezvous ends 45 years of erotic dancing. I had to be there in the last couple months <laughs> that it ever existed. <laughs> Wait, what year did you go? 2017. When it closed? <laughs> April 2017. Yeah, I was there in like the last couple months it ever existed. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and it's prime. Hold on, hold on. Can you see that? No, what? Permanently closed. Oh, it's yeah, got a big permanent. red thing on you know Google. Permanently closed. You know what? They don't want you to go there. Paul, you know what closed. closed it down permanently? Was uh, Google this. I think, <laughs> not me. No. I'm glad we both said that at the yeah, same time. The fucking what? Yeah, the $80 I spent there. No way. Um, 80 no, bucks? That's cheap in yeah, the city. Yeah. Uh, was uh fucking these bills man was uh i think asap yams got shot there and that was oh, like it that like that closed, would make sense that closed, oh, that yeah, closed anytime it down. someone gets shot somewhere yeah downhill from there yeah I maybe think that, one time in history someone got shot and the place didn't fucking i think that closed it down paul correct i'm gonna look it up right now <laughs> just google asap yams like that's where it was i, I think wow. it was like outside of there and oh, wait, he kind, died because of an overdose maybe not him that's but somebody uh, somebody uh, some did. rapper did. But yeah, whatever. That's like my last New York City memory. Right, so I gotta, I gotta go. My favorite artist yeah. currently. Yeah, go your favorite. My artist. favorite artist currently is Far Caspian. So it's, it's a really, a really obscure soft band that I think is really deep. What's the name of it again? Far Caspian. Play. Let's see. This is on UJ to play. I just want to look it up. Play. Uh, Brother. Brother by Far Caspian. Brother, I feel like it's like Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. I love it. This vibey. It's mellow. Mellow. I like mellow. I it's like mellow. deep and I like mellow at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I play guitar since I was like 11. This makes sense now. Yeah. That's, yeah that's, it's that makes a lot of sense. Cuts my core, man. Yeah. Music's yeah, it's, so dependent It's on good it. to have different outlets. Like when a kid in here says that they do art or they do music. Oh, I'm like, I love, I love it. it. Keep going. Because it's it. nice it, to have an outlet yeah, other than creative. sport. It shows they're creative. I got mm -hmm. to show them the one girl in here that her art is yeah, unreal. Yeah, it's great. What do you got? But... 
Yeah, yeah. So this one girl, she's gonna be a senior. She has, like, it's unfucking real, dude. Hey, what do you got on Lagavulin, by the way? Like, this is good. What do you got? This guy. This is tasty. Yeah. So this is her Wednesday Adams. Oh shit. Yeah, she's good. Wow. How do people draw that shit? I do. Yeah. I don't know. It's amazing. This one's this one's the one. It's oh, goddamn amazing. Like they, they, it looks like real life. This you is the one. You drew that, that with me. a pencil? Are yeah. you kidding me? That's unreal. That's a, that's, and, that's like a you just you just lightened up a little bit on your wrist to right. draw that? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. yeah I mean, it's incredible. It's fucking unbelievable. Oh look at that. She's she's using her hand. Yeah. yeah. How do you? How is it even possible? She to think yeah. Of? I remember yeah, the first yeah. time she showed me that. I was like, follow. You know what it is? It's it's your guy's ability to see. So when you watch someone lift, right? You go, in, they go into a deadlift, and you immediately go, "Oh no, no, no!" Like that's that's not. We we get this much better. That's your version of what she does. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I watched someone pitch like I, earlier. I watched someone pitch. I haven't watched pitching years, and I went, "Like wow!" Like you're so much better than you used to be like immediately. And I didn't need a video. I didn't need my phone. Like yeah. it was just like, wow, but this feels okay. Different. We'll tie this with this. It's your, bring it back. It's your, um, knowledge and the time you put in learning pitching mechanics and biomechanics yeah. and technique, but it's also how you were brought up and your mindset and how you think about somebody and see them and talk to them. Right. It's blending that with your knowledge. That's what gets to the person. So do we want to go in how we were brought up direction or pitching knowledge direction? Which I want to go again? into just like Can how you – together? Yeah. Well, I want to go into – I feel like we did pitch knowledge. I want to go into how you were okay. brought up because okay, I great. feel I feel like a big influence on me and how I have empathy and kindness and see people is from my mom and my grandma being raised percent. by them. Mm-hmm. thousand percent. That's what makes me me and better than a lot of people in this field because I'm more than just like fucking science and queuing. Mm-hmm. It's how I was raised like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So me too, first of all. Second of all, I think you can split life into two stages. One being what you were taught to think. The second being when you realize you're your own man and you decide to start thinking about things on your own, your own decision making, mm-hmm. right? And how you think and how you act and how you behave and how you draw your life. And I think one probably influences the other to some degree. But I, I think simultaneously the, the yin and the yang, you think for yourself for the first time ever. So my question to you guys is when did, and I want to hear from all of you, when did you start thinking for yourself? College. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hands yeah. down. Yeah. Hands what year? Down. Of school. Probably junior year when, I switched, you go? when I switched my major. Where'd you go? Cortland. Okay. When I switched my major, that was- that Phys was, ed? That was probably, <laughs> what, what, what's your- Phys ed? Uh, that was originally <laughs> what I went for. That's what I thought. Um, <laughs> but more because I wanted to coach. Yeah. Yeah. More because yeah. I wanted to coach. And then I realized I didn't want to be a fucking phys ed teacher. And now I'm a fucking phys ed teacher in a different way. Literally. When I think about it, I'm literally heavy, a phys ed teacher in a different way. Wow. I'm a coach in a different way. You are a physical. You are literally educating physicality. Yeah. yeah. It's wow. just, it's just, it took a different route for me to get to that so point. So good. So but good. In the grand scheme, like college was 
definitely when I started to be like, all right. So it's a, this person. is the problem is like phys ed is really exercise science, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it's too specialized. It's yeah. Yeah. And phys ed, exercise you science. that. I feel like exercise science is too specialized. Phys ed isn't specialized enough. So good. So good. Ba especially based off of my experience of going to school for phys ed and then switching to the exercise science field. Yeah. So good. What do you got, Mike? Probably wasn't until after college. It wasn't until my first real job. Like I interned at Cressy's and then I went to massage therapy school and I worked at this commercial gym and I went to the commercial gym and kind of just like thought I knew everything. What was it? Uh, this place in Boston. It's like private <laughs> gym. Can't but, say. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> okay. yeah, I just didn't do great. Things weren't clicking. And then I still kind of, because I had an ego and I just thought Ooh. I knew the like, hey, I was just, I just interned here. And what I know is like yeah, better than what better. you know. You know better. Right. So then I go Everybody. to, I go to my next, I go to my next job. Strength coach. And my next job was like a commission. That's a coach. Everybody's mm -hmm. a coach. Yeah. It was like a commissions only job. And then, uh, uh, yeah, I was like, I just, something's not clicking right. Yeah. And I guess I just flipped to this place where it's like, okay, getting to know people's more important relationships are more important. And like, I just have to drop my ego of like, how did you do that? How did I do that? How'd you, just, how'd you drop your ego? You knew you had to, how'd you do it? I think, <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. How did, I guess, can mm -hmm. I say a specific point in time? Yep. I don't know. I did some therapy. I struggled at work. Sam and I probably struggled in our relationship a little bit. And yeah. I just probably over time worked through like, hey, if I want to have a Reality. successful career, yeah, yeah, be a good boyfriend, fiance, husband. Yeah. yeah, just like the ego can't really be a piece of it. Yeah. So I can't say it was one specific moment, but the, just probably. The struggles settled the ego, essentially. Yeah. Jordan? I'd say I felt fully or near fully autonomous at like 26. Took a while. Mm -hmm. So four years after you graduated. Or five. I graduated college when I was twenty-three. So. So yeah, three years after. Three years yeah. after college. Yeah. Yeah. What was the moment? Um. Or in time, the phase maybe. No, it was uh, independence for the first time. Yeah. I would say I had some codependent tendencies with family members, and yeah. that translated into one relationship, and then yeah. another. Yeah. And uh, then I was on my own. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I think that's why college for me was I wasn't codependent anymore on my mom. When I was in college, mm. I was like, oh, I have to do shit on my own. And it was like, all right. And then when I switched my major, it was like finally making a decision of like, not that anybody had an influence on me choosing phys ed, but it was just that decision of like, yeah. I'm making a very large decision for my life, for my mm. future mm -hmm. that could impact me and mm -hmm. I'm gonna fucking do it. And if I'm gonna, <laughs> if, if I'm gonna fail, I'm gonna fail miserably. Okay. I'm gonna be succeed, I'm but gonna succeed greatly. I think we've said a lot. I think let's let's go here to kind of tie things together. No, no, let, let Mike answer first. Yes. Let's oh, let go. Let Mike you answer. answer first, Mike. Wow. Good call, Jordy. Yes, thanks, Jay. Uh, so I hit, I remember being so depressed that I hit a rock bottom. I say this a lot to people who feel just poorly. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think people, like, people mistake depression for something they're working through. Not to say that depression isn't real, because I think it is, because I've experienced it. But I, I think people feel bad for themselves and label that as depression when it's not 
necessarily like they just kind of get stuck there you know and i was there and my my phrase that i say to everybody is is rock bottom has a trampoline and you hit rock bottom and you bounce the fuck back because you for someone who's driven so for someone who doesn't just give up on things you hit rock bottom and you go okay can't get worse than this Mm -hmm. like let's see how high i can jump you know and it's spring it forces you because you you reach a dead end you go this is it like this is as far low as i can get the only way to go is up and that that's what happened in my life that's that's where i started to transition you were where in your 20s I was 23. So just I'm 30 now. Basically just after college, right around that time. It was my first year, so similar to what you guys were saying, I was very close with my grandma. I lived with her. She passed away. I was by myself. I remember one New Year's Eve where I wasn't hanging out with my friends or my family and I was completely by myself and I was watching the fireworks go on off on TV and I was like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? And I remember the day, people ask me this, I remember the day I turned things around and I remember waking up one day and I checked I checked Facebook. The first thing I did was check Facebook, which I always did at that point. And then I, I made the decision after this to not do that anymore. Um, but I checked Facebook. I, I literally picked up my phone and looked at Facebook and I found a video that said, everything in your life is your fault. And I, I thought that was like, my first reaction was that's really harsh. That's really fuck harsh. you, dude. Like it's like what the fuck, man? Right? I'm just waking up. You gotta throw the fucking throw this at me. What yeah. the what the fuck, man? And then I started thinking about it. And what he was, I think it was poorly worded, but what that ad or that thing was really trying to tell me was was everything in your life is your responsibility. That's a mm. very different way of wording right. that. You have mm. control over things. Mm-hmm. And, and I went, oh, holy shit, I'm blaming things mm. on my on myself and on my life outside of me. And that's not the way that it, you, you are only in control of your own life. And that's the day that everything turned around. I remember going to bed that night, like laying in the same exact situation. Nothing had changed other than my perspective. That's it. It's the only thing that changed. I think... And it's like me simplifying things, and it's like you've been through a lot with that, Jordy, Paul, me, all different things. But it's palpable when somebody, you know somebody has been introspective, has done work on themselves, has struggled for a bit and learned things. Mm -hmm. I I think that is, and it's almost like you can't say, I'm going to go work on that. It's something that just happens in life, and you have to go through and recognize it. But in the realm of like our fields and working with people, I think it's an important thing. It gives you empathy and, and, and gives you understanding. Man. So one of the questions you set up mm-hmm. was um, why you need to understand yourself mm-hmm. before you understand other people. Oh, dude, I feel like so you just highlighted that. Can you ask that? Highlight, ask that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this is like what we just talked about. Like why before you can fully give yourself to somebody else, a client, a spouse, a family member. Yeah, why do you need to really understand yourself first before you can fully give to somebody? Because you recognize something else and somebody else based on what you recognize in yourself. It's a mirror. You see 
what you saw in yourself in somebody else and you helped yourself through that and that enables you the ability to help whoever's going through the same exact thing. It's so powerful. It's so powerful. And it's so true. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a mirror. True. It's a mirror. Yeah. And it, it the ego is completely uninvolved. It needs to be in uninvolved. That, in that transaction. You know? It's like, like, I work through this, so there's no point in me helping you other than I know how it feels. It's empathy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I know how it feels... And it sucks, and I wish someone told me this, so I'm paying it forward to you because I yeah. went through it. I mean, and that's what it's about. On a simpler terms, a lot of times I'll tell kids in here, I'm like, I'm trying to give you the shortcut to not make the same mistakes that we made, whether it's me, Amen. Mike, Dan. Because sometimes like a kid will get frustrated with something that I'm coaching them because like they're like, oh, I feel like I can do more or whatever. Like that, I'm like, I understand. Yeah where you're coming from and I and I, I get that because I was there but yeah. like I'm trying to help you cut out the bullshit that you don't need to do yeah to get from point A to point B so as efficiently as possible I'll tell you guys one thing that I think needs to happen in in our in baseball in general but in male sports more specifically is we go male to male all the time in terms of energy right mm-hmm. so you're dealing with something you come to me and you go, hey, man, like, you know, I'm dealing with this, I'm dealing with this, I'm dealing with this. Okay. Our response most of the time is just fucking figure it out. I, A, don't want to hear it. And F-I-F-O, B, figure it the fuck out. You're being, exactly. You're being soft. And I'm not, I'm not going to give you the sympathy of what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a mistake. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think that the proper way to deal with that is to go, I've been through the same thing, bro. It's not fucking easy. I felt what you felt, and it's hard, um, and it's okay to feel that way. Mm-hmm. The motherly energy of like, mm-hmm. this sucks. I've been there. I know how much this sucks, and to really like hold them in that moment. Mm-hmm. And when they feel understand and they feel heard, you know what happens is their ego is put aside, mm-hmm. and then they're open. And available to hear whatever advice you're going to give them. Mm-hmm. It happens every time. Like I feel, I feel it every time with a pitcher or a player in general, where they just like they say their piece, and you're like, "Dude, I get you. Yeah, I've been there the, many times." The yeah. hard part with this, like especially strength and conditioning, you get a bunch of meat sticks and guys with ego, <laughs> right? You do. You do. I mean, you, you do. do. No doubt. You do. No doubt. And it's like, okay, unless you were like me and Jordy and like you spent a lot of time around your mom and your grandma and your aunt growing up. So like me too. a me too. Right? Mm-hmm. Like a big female presence in how you were raised. My mom. Or yeah, or like or Lisa like and Donna. No, yeah. Donna. Or you went Donna? through some Donna or you went through some shit and you sought out Pam? therapy or mm-hmm. you just kind of got more introspective. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of dudes struggle with that. They don't they don't it, it's no fault to anybody. No. But it's the way that that it's happening. And what happens is I think guys go, okay. So I just like became vulnerable to you and tell, told you what I was feeling and you said, fuck off, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, and they, and they stop. They mm-hmm. stop coming to you. Mm-hmm. And, and to bring this back to pitching, like so much of it is just, all right, can you can you get past what you're feeling and what you're going through to become present with your art of competing? And I, I just I, I hope for people for coaches and for the sport 
specifically, but coaches, but coaches just like, you know, across the board, can you just hear your players? Just give yeah. them a second to explain themselves mm-hmm. because they're not, they're not complaining. They're expressing. It's a very different thing, mm-hmm. right? Expressing is here's what I'm feeling. I don't know how to handle it. You're an adult. I feel um, comfortable, comfortable with you enough to say, you know, I, I, I feel this way. Help me through this. And then pe- most people just turn them away and just go like, no, you're wrong and feeling that way because you're soft. Mm-hmm. And that's just, man, it just fucking destroys well, people that I way. I could think of a, uh, an example just today when you're talking about that. Like there, we had we have two brothers that come in here. The younger brother hasn't been in for a little bit, but he blew a championship game. He's yeah. in sixth fucking grade. So he's 12? Right. Which <laughs> it's 1,000% okay to feel like shit because of that. But it's also Amen. 1,000% okay to bounce back from that and be like, all right, dude, I got fucking like a lot of time to play. He's going to blow another game. It's going to happen. It's baseball. It's going to fucking happen. Yeah, it's baseball. Sports. My, my like, buddy says all the time, it's baseball, Susan. Like, like you were saying, it's, it's okay to feel like yeah. you let somebody down, yeah. but it's how do you bounce back from that and who do you go to after that? I think that's the key is you're not wrong in how you feel. That's the key mm-hmm. part. You're not wrong in it. No, it might not I feel be, like shit if I was a sixth grader and I let my team down. It might not be <laughs> beneficial to you. Like you could think about there's a better way to think about this. Yeah. But you're not wrong. Right. Those are two different things. Mm-hmm. It's so powerful. Yeah. Like it, you you don't have to self it you're teaching kids to self-judge themselves mm-hmm. on how they're just naturally feeling when it's just like just allow yourself to feel whatever the fuck you're feeling. Yep. All the time. Feel with it, deal with it. And then and learn then, from and it. And then learn from it. Yes. And then move on. Mm-hmm. And learn from it, master your craft, and move on. You asked before, like, how in your 20s do you manage that shit? Mm-hmm. And I honestly, here's my advice to anybody who feels less than adequate. Meditate. Meditate, man. Me- I think we are wired to introspectively look at ourselves and understand ourselves and it's your whole point is when you understand yourself you can understand other people Mm -hmm. so easily we are wired to meditate is the most powerful thing i ever decided to do yeah society makes it hard to put yourself there yep yep but it's spend time with yourself so worth it it's so worth it spending time with yourself is, is is important when i wake up first thing is what i do is it takes between 45 and an hour and 15 I meditate for that amount of time before I do anything. It's clarity. It's understanding of self. It's it's the secret to success. Yeah, I think I was just gonna say. I think we wrap it like, if you're in the baseball field, you're a coach, a pitching coach, you're a strength coach. It's like all of these technical things matter. But what we just talked about, like that, if you make that your foundation and spend time there, you'll be happier. You'll make more money. You're gonna probably be more successful. You're gonna have better relationships. You're gonna feel less frustrated. Happier. Yeah. You know what the key is? You don't need anything. Anything of all of what you just said is great, but you don't need any of it. No. And people think they need it. I need money. I need the girl. I need. I need. You don't need jack fucking shit. You don't need shit. You you need yourself. You are fully equipped. With everything that you need, as you are, mm-hmm. that's that would be my billboard to people. It's like you are enough as exactly as you are. You are equipped with everything you need. 
Yeah, man. Be I successful. Like it. it's I agree. True. It's true. How long? Is there a longest one? Definitely our longest one. Wow, nice. yeah. Shout out, nice. Mike. Let's go. Shout he, out, Mike. He's got so many highlighted questions. Let's hit him. Well, those go? are the highlighted ones that we've done. We've done. The ones that aren't highlighted are really? what we ha- what, I'm trying to go through and be like, okay, what right, happened? Let's hit her. Here, Paul, hit, choose, hit choose one Choose one oh, to God, finish dude, with. Now you're here, asking Paul. me a yep. fucking lot. Here. You're choosing one to finish with. Uh, Whatever you want to ask. It. We've hit life. Let's go pitching. Yeah, go one pitching one. One pitching one. First or second column, Paul. Second bullet point section. All right. All right. Uh. I have, I have one. I know you go for it, Mike. Go for a couple. Mike, you go for it because you you know what's on here. I want this. Okay. What's been like the biggest technological advancements in the last like handful handful of years? Such a question. You're not gonna like the answer. Go. Everything. Cameras. Ten years ago, it, it was radar guns and eyes. And since then, it's been, we have the ability to measure literally everything that So, happens. in a simple term, computers. Yeah. Like, if yeah. you want, if you really want to simplify it down, yeah. computers and cameras. I don't disagree. It's cameras that talk to computers and transfer the information. Yes. Like, that, that would be the simplest way to put it. I, I think it's the simplest way to put it. It was radar guns and how hard are you throwing and how, what is my experience to understand what you're doing as a pitcher? I just highlighted that question. Yeah. Just really so good. You, just so you know. Really good. <laughs> yeah. We've hit a lot. Yeah. Life. I, pitching. Uh, every, you can measure literally everything right now. I can measure the exact millisecond of how they're moving. Um, so if we, if we work, again, again, the pitching. If we work from ball flight, but you ever seen a TrackMan CSV? Have you guys ever seen one? Not in person. I know what a TrackMan wow. is. I know what yeah. a TrackMan is, I'm but I've never seen it in person. So you, yeah. guys can, so you guys can understand. I can tell you right now, if I had all this information as a kid, I would have been fucked because I'm such a numbers person. Yeah. No, I would, dude, I would, you wouldn't I, have because you wouldn't well, grow to understand it. I think that, I would, that's my problem with baseball. I think, right I think at first I would have overthought it, and then you're probably right. I would have just understood it. You would have gotten it. You need the education. Because I, lo- I, I because love numbers. Because you would go, okay, what's my VAA? Okay, on this pitch it was 4-2, and, and on this pitch it was 3-9. But I threw this pitch with higher quality vertical break, and I threw this this pitch this much higher in the zone with quality vertical break and you go oh shit like guys can't match their swing planes to this pitch that i threw and you would ignore all the shit that doesn't affect you and doesn't benefit you that doesn't benefit you and you would just go oh this is what makes me good and you would focus on what makes you good you're right that's how that goes Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. that's how it goes yeah this is look at this this is one game Dude, look at all those numbers. Scroll hurt. to the right. Scroll to the right. Look at all the it's numbers. It's unbelievable, right? It, so That's each, every pitch, each row is one pitch of information. It's fucking enormous. Right, finally, at the end. That's wild. It's enormous. That's one game of TrackMan CSV. The information is. I I told you earlier in an ocean of information. It's so true. Dude, it's that's so nuts. It's crazy. I don't even have to scroll, scroll, like, no. or zoom in. Like, yeah. It's just. So all I go is, hey, like, ignore this shit. This is what you need to know. Right. This is what makes you good. Double down on this shit. This is what we're going to do to make you better. Let's go do it. Yeah. And and it's... the buy-in comes from, oh, shit, this guy knows who he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's go do it. Yeah. That's it. 
That's all there is to it. Yeah, it's a different game than we grew up. But yeah, more people like you who care about relationships and know how to know how to take the data and make changes to it. Um, it's where it's at. You have one more question, Paul? No, I just got. I just saw your text message that came up on the computer. From me? Oh, mm-hmm. is it bedtime? Mm-hmm. It might be bedtime. <laughs> it might be bedtime. <laughs> one more? Um, <laughs> give me one more. What do you got? One, we'll one give, more. One more. One more. Last one. <laughs> Sorry, I just so read the next text. I, 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 I it, it's, it's a dad. It's a dad text. It's also, I got that. I've known Sam and Mike my entire me life. Me and Paul are going to stay here for fucking... I've known like Sam dad and Mike time. my entire life, so the dynamic... <laughs> I know their entire dynamic. I love it. And it's great. I'm like, I can... You could th- read that off them? I can literally read it and know her emotion behind it. <laughs> Listen, let's do this. Plug, plug your shit, Mike. Where can people find you? I know you do the Bridge Seminar. Just uh, let the people know. I love it, the Bridge Seminar. So, The Bridge Seminar is how can one event literally bridge biomechanics to pitching to, um, to PT to strength training to data analytics? How can we combine all of these things that we feel are separate, which are really truly one, into one event? where everyone can learn from the best in the business from um, from one location. That's the bridge event. So uh, we don't have a we don't have a date for 2013, uh, 2023 yet. I'm working on that right now, but um, that'll be out soon and, and uh, uh, we, we also do we do pitching evaluations for wakeforcepitchinglab.com. You can vis- visit there and um, click on the evaluations part of the site and see where we can uh, we can help you as an individual. Awesome, man. Hey, yeah. I appreciate you coming on. This it's is a blast. an awesome time, man. We'll, 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 we'll do a part, part two. two so we'll, we'll do a part two for sure. Part two, 100%. Yeah, we'll 100%. So, Mike, appreciate you, and uh, we'll catch everybody next time. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.